Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. And welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys for being with us here. It is episode number 170, our season 17 finale. It is Monday, March the 23rd, 2020, and we are here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling yet again for another week. As always, I'm Joe Murata, joined by Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Quinn, it is the finale. It is yes. done. This is it. This is the finale. Uh, not forever. Not for a, for a week or for whatever. A week. Yeah, we'll be back in a bit. Uh, and we have some great topics in store for you. As always, we'll be doing the final flush a little bit later. A very unique review for us. Something mm. we've never touched before. Very interesting stuff. Very interesting stuff. And speaking of interesting stuff, if you head on over to Twitter, you can follow us there at OVP Podcast. And what we've been doing, what we've been trying to do all month long for March is post some of the best, the worst, and the obscure from past WrestleManias. Yeah, it's a WrestleMania palooza, if there's you will. A, yeah, there's a lot of palooza that, that, going on. Is that on. the word they use, palooza? I, it is now, Quinn. Wrestlepalooza. So, wrestlepalooza. Wasn't that a fake thing? It was an ECW event also. Yeah, okay, there you go. But it's also on the Married with Children with Bundy. That's what I'm <laughs> yeah, thinking of. It's both. Uh, but folks, yes, yeah, so if you don't follow us on Twitter yet, go ahead and do that. There's no drama there. It's just clips of videos, mainly. Yeah, <laughs> you can basically watch all of those old WrestleManias on Twitter. Like, <laughs> if you want, like the Cliff Notes version, right? Like, it's yes. just like here's just like the stuff you need to know. Here's, yeah, like, here's the big moments and stuff like that. We should clip it all together at some point, like in a big <laughs> YouTube <laughs> video. <laughs> like here's funny. all of WrestleMania in like ten minutes, like every single one, perfect. Like, uh, but yes, follow us there at OVP Podcast on Twitter. You can also email us if you want to, and that would be at OVP Podcast at Gmail dot com. Again, that's. Oh! VP podcast at gmail.com but Quinn another place where there's a very little drama if any at all and where you can talk to me and Quinn and hundreds upon hundreds of other retro wrestling fanatics is over on Facebook drama free book right yeah, that's, that's right it's a site drama free book web yes um, it's a great site that's like a book on the web yeah it's a web no book. drama though no we don't have that over there they have a search bar right you need to get there first obviously yeah, you, you, have you, to find you don't want to get like lost on your um, way you're in like chapter 7 you're like where's chapter one like you know like so you don't want to get lost so you right. go into the search bar yes. right search bar the search bar you type our vantage point dash retro wrestling podcast bing bang boob tubes gore kaflui you click on the group button and you're there that's it you just join the group yeah and we'll let you in you join it's, it's simple and you can read a bunch of book posts yeah uh, all kinds of book posts book posts that's, <laughs> that's what they're calling them now they're changing it but yes over on the uh the drama free book what you can do over there is talk about the old wrestling you can talk about wf WCW, AWA, I guess if you really want to. Yeah. Any kind of wrestling, though, everything is welcome. Everyone is welcome. We have one rule because, you know, we don't like to have personal attacks and, you know, all these things and arguing for no 
reason. So what's our rule, Quinn? Don't be a dingus. Just don't be a dingus. They, they don't. If you don't know how to do that, ask us and we'll tell you. Apparently people want a shirt of that because <laughs> they, I think they need the advice like hey, in life in general. Just like you're at the grocery store, don't be a dingus. Don't be a dingus. Just yeah. be nice. You know, you don't have to like the same things that everyone likes. You don't have to agree, but don't be a dingus. But yes, over on Facebook, join us there for some fun retro wrestling talk. And uh, later on in the show, we'll have some info, but we do have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. SummerSlam 89, our latest review, is out now, and you can get your hands on that and all the pay-per-view reviews all the way back to WrestleMania 1 yeah. for just 5 bucks a month. That's not 5 bucks a day, mm-hmm. a week, a month. It's it's incredible. It really what, is. What a hot deal. It's a hot deal. And that for includes- less than a cup of Starbucks. Seriously. Yeah, like, Seriously. Like six something or whatever. Yeah. I don't even... It's probably more than that now. Probably. You get a latte of content if you uh, yeah. <laughs> catch my drift. Go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Grande. More info to follow. Yes, grande. Stupid cup sizes. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, Quinn, all season long, and we're this is the last one of the season. This is the last influencer segment. We've this been talking it. about things, yeah, that have influenced wrestling from the past to what we have to this day. And to Nothing you, else influenced anything. No, only this. these 10 things. No, this is it. This is, <laughs> so here's the last thing. Um, yeah. do, do not try to add any more influences right. to anything. We've talked about various things across the spectrum. We've talked about a promotion such as ECW. We've talked about match types like TLC. Wrestlers such as Gorgeous George and Superstar Billy Graham. Uh, last week, we talked about Dave Meltzer and the uh, wrestling newsletters. We talked about videotape, but it's the finale now. And there's someone that we have not talked about. And I believe he deserves a mention. For better or for worse today, we're talking about the influence of Vince McMahon. The biggest, maybe possibly, possibly. most influential person to ever. what we have now? To it's what possible. we have now, yes. I mean, I, I'm sure it's not like he, like, invented wrestling. No, right? he's not like Al Gore on the internet. So I took the initiative in creating the internet. But Vince McMahon, without going into a comprehensive backstory, a very brief summation. So this guy, Vince, obviously, you've heard of him. The owner, the chairman of World Wrestling Entertainment, or World Wrestling Entertainment, formerly as you would a say. federation. It used uh, to be formerly worldwide. <laughs> yeah, federation. it was wide. There's a lot of things that have fallen off the name <laughs> over the years. <laughs> yeah. so. There have no doubt been many great wrestling events presented by the World Wrestling Federation through the years. He uh, was born in 1945 in North Carolina. He did not know his dad, uh, Vince McMahon, seen Vince J. McMahon until uh, he was about 12. Yeah. So he lived with his mom and a series of stepfathers. Kind of a hard upbringing, to be hard fair times. to Vince. In all like seriousness. the dusty roads of uh, promoters, I guess. Yes, there you go. He uh, eventually met his dad and got close to his dad and began working for his dad, Vince Sr., in the WWWF, the wide. It still yeah, had it was, the wide. So it was still very wide. It was still very it wide. It was still very a federation. It very was. much a federation. Definitely. Yeah. And he became a, an on-screen performer in 1971 when he replaced uh, Vince Sr.'s longtime commentator, which we actually saw in that episode of Heavyweight, Ray Morgan. Yes. It was a straight-laced kind of just, you know, like a Walter Cronkite practically. It's crazy that like. there was only one person <laughs> before Vince. Like, yes. that's how long he's been around. Yeah. Like, it's Ray Morgan in the 50s and 60s and Vince McMahon. That's it. Hi there, fans. Ray Morgan here once again at ringside and inviting you to join me in your favorite ringside seat. And as an announcer, real quick, I just want to say, his most memorably as an on-screen performer throughout the 80s and 90s as the announcer on Saturday Night's Main Event on Superstars, that was Mm -hmm. his show, on most episodes of Monday Night Raw for years, some of the pay-per-views as well. I don't think this crowd would agree with you, but right now, here comes some fun and some games, here comes Doink the Loud over the top, more and more, too, as the time went on. Yeah. That's Vince the announcer. We know about that. 
As far as his influences, though, in the business, what he did for the business, there's a lot of things. And he's a polarizing figure because people look at the man and they're like, this guy's a scumbag. Right. He's only after money. Yeah, no shit. Yes, to both. It is a business, also, so like he every, wants to make money. Also, like every promoter <laughs> before him was. Well, also, yeah. It's not like he's like unique in that. It's we, not like he was. Like, he's like the worst person ever. Listen, there is a lot of <laughs> weird talking, guys out there. Yeah, we're not talking about a group of men that had a bunch of scruples. Yeah, you know, I mean, these are wrestling promoters. Yeah. Sex, steroids, scandal. Is it true what they're saying about pro wrestling? Is a bear shit in the woods? He got his start as a promoter in the late 70s, and I want to talk about that first as far as his influence. He quickly became an influence in the WWF itself. You know the Muhammad Ali Gorilla Monsoon thing? Mm -hmm. You know who championed that? That, and was had, that was Vince Jr. Now, he didn't own it yet. It's not like he can make the decision, but it, he, talked you know, to his he, dad. he pushed it, right? Yes. So he pushed for that, and little by little, as the 70s became the 80s, he was getting in his dad's ear about becoming more mainstream. His dad was opposed to that because, like all the old-school promoters, you had your territory, and you stayed there. Yeah, because the, the fear was, if we venture out of it, they'll, they'll come for us, right? right. They, they'll, they'll take it away. It was cutthroat. You yeah. know, I mean, it really was. You, you protected stay, your territory. You stay in your lane, and nobody's going to bug you. Yep. That's the agreement. So Vince had uh, tried his hand at promoting some other things. He owned the Cape Cod Coliseum. This whole thing. Released it. Yeah, yeah. This whole thing is like a minor league hockey team. He's always proud about this. Yeah. Like, you know, I did things before my dad. He did. Like, and he, him and Linda bought this arena or yeah. something. I don't know. They promoted some rock concerts actually yeah. there. And in 1980, he founded his own company, Titan Sports, which eventually purchased Capital Wrestling Corporation in 1982. Capital, of course, was the holder of the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah, that was, uh, what, June 2nd or something? June 1st, 82, yeah, yeah. I forget, something like that. And that is where Vince McMahon, little by little, as 82 became 83 and 83 became 84, he began to change the way, again, for better or for worse, we'll talk about that, wrestling was run because now we still have the territory system in place, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, they're even still associated with the NWA at that point. WWF was until the fall of 83. That's correct. Right. He pulled out at the uh, annual NWA convention. But what we have now is rather than the WWF playing ball with everybody and staying in their lane, like Quinn said, now he's going in and buying people's time slots. He bought uh, Southwest Championship Wrestling's time slot in 83 and put All-American Wrestling on it. Hello, everyone. This is Vince McMahon in the studios of the USA Cable Network. We wholeheartedly welcome you to the premiere of All-American Wrestling. It's interesting how he did it because he did it from like a business perspective where if you really think about it from the territory you know, situation, you could at first, the way he was doing it, perceive it as he's doing it the right way. Like he's actually offering these people money right. for their time slots, their and assets, stuff. whatever it is. And from, yeah. On a surface level, that doesn't seem like he's invading. It's like right. subtle, right? It's, it's, subtle. Just, it's just like, oh, well, you know, you don't want this anymore. I'll give you a bunch of money for it. Yeah. And some people were fine with it. Stu Hart was like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. like, he, he I want shit. the Bulldogs. Yeah. I want Bret Hart. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair trade. Yeah, uh, I can get my kids shoes. You know, like <laughs> you know, my dad finally sold Stampede, and I could brush my teeth for the first time in twenty years. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, uh, so Vince did that, and really, the only person that could keep up or try to keep up throughout the eighties was Jim Crockett Jr. Right, uh, and Jim Crockett promotions tried to do the same. He He's, did pretty much the same he thing. He saw yeah. what Vince was doing, and I don't know. Maybe he was first. I don't. One of them was first, but they were both kind of doing the same thing, buying right? up territories, merging with places. It's expanding their reach. Somebody, right? somebody, both of those guys somehow heard through the grapevine. This is how you do it, basically, right. <laughs> and, they, and they started doing it. I, Vince McMahon, bought 
my competition. So before we get to 1985 and the rock and wrestling connection, I want to pose a question to you like I like to do on this. And folks, you think about this too and let us know. Do you think, because people, people that hate Vince for what he did, they blame you know Vince for the death of the territories, which might kind of be true, maybe not. They say it ruined wrestling as they used to know it. I'm talking about your Jack Briscoe fans, you know right, what I mean, yeah. from the 70s, early 80s. But how much longer do you think it would have been before someone else went in and broke up the territory system anyway? It was already happening. Jim yeah. Crockett was doing the same. It just would have. It just would have been a different person. And do you think that, it, that's like a, it's the evidence is the other guy was doing it, right? Like, you don't think it would have sustained on its own? If no, neither man because gone in? honestly, as I think once like cable TV became a thing, somebody was going to do something because right. it was like it's only natural, right? Like either somebody would have been like their idea would have been like I'll have a wrestling channel and I'll, I'll own it and it will only be my wrestling, right. or like I'll be on multiple cable channels or, or you know somebody yes. would have done something else it's like this cable thing is really the it changed it was the catalyst for a yeah, lot of stuff because there wasn't the, the tv wasn't regional period Good because point. that was just a thing in media that was changing in general so somebody i really think the technology really opened the door for this was going to happen for anyway. expansion. Yeah. I think that's a good point. You don't want to sleep on the emergence of cable as a widespread thing in the 80s. You know, when MTV launched, for example, how big a deal was that? We take it for granted now. And it could theoretically be in every home in America. Correct. Not just like if you, you, you had to have an MTV affiliate or something. You so know? you pretty much think if it wasn't Vince or if it wasn't Jim Crockett, someone would have been some business person. Forget wrestling person. Some yeah. business person might have been like, you know, Ted Turner could have. Right. He already owned WTBS. Well, the other thing that wrestling was always used for since the beginning, when TV was first invented, if right. you remember, they use wrestling's cheap, like, yes. time filler shit. Yes. It's only natural that cable, which, at the you know, when cable started, people always forget, like, a lot of the programming was cheap because, like, they just, they were competing with these big titans, Juggernauts. like NBC yeah. and CBS. Like, it's hard to, like, get programming yeah they run public domain stuff so as they turn off at night right. remember there'd be nothing yeah exactly so it was only natural for them to like fill their hours with wrestling that was you know wrestling's always salivating for more time slots right at and, that point and it's easily consumable it's an hour-long show it right. just fills the spot you get the commercials you get the money mm-hmm. so you know vince certainly was very instrumental in buying up territories, invading territories, putting people out of business. But I agree with you. If it wasn't him, it would have been somebody else. Crockett. It would have yeah, been. It, yeah. Who knows? It would maybe Vern because he's like I know somebody. Remember Vern knew like fucking everyone. <laughs> like he probably I have a cable contact or yeah, something. With his old ass probably yeah. knew Socrates. It would have taken him till like 1990 <laughs> to figure that out if there was no Vince McMahon. But still, he would have yeah, figured it out. That's a good point, yeah. actually. So then let's talk about 85 and onward. So Vince McMahon. Marries the concept of wrestling and music into the rock and wrestling connection. We've done some speaking about that recently in the mm-hmm. last season where we did. I think the- that was Vince's huge. To me, that is the, the point where you realize, okay, this is what he's doing. Right. right. Vince's grand plan. Crockett took like a different approach, right? He said like, well, we got a good product, right? And, right. and you know, we have the capability to expand with our, you know, our dealings with Turner, right? They were already on 605 before, like, oh, yeah. very early on WTBS so, in the 70s. So the, Crockett just thought of it as like, well, our great product, let's just do what we do best and we'll do wrestling. Vince said, well, I don't have all those wrestlers, but I have a couple, a couple of big personalities right. here, right? This Captain Lou guy, he just met fucking White Wolf on a plane <laughs> and, and now Cindy, Cindy Lauper's yep. our friend. Yep, yep. Why don't we put her on the show? Because like I did with the Muhammad Ali thing. See, it's all like a natural progression. It right? is. That's a great point, yeah. Quinn. You know, people that don't like it are never going to like it. The rock mm-hmm. and wrestling stuff, the entertainment aspect. The World Wrestling Federation explores the outer limits of bad taste. It is to Olympic wrestling what striptease 
It's the Greek tragedy. But let's talk mainstream. Look, we're wrestling fans. Everyone listening to this, I would assume, is a wrestling fan. Some more than others in terms of really appreciating the art or the supposed, you know, the perceived craft of wrestling, right? right? Other people, such as us most of the time, just want to be entertained when we watch it. Yeah. Well, Let's I, be honest, I, I, right? I want, I want, I want it all. Both. I want it all. I want it all, I right? agree. That's but, why, like, when we get to the WrestleMania events, right, I love the combination of all of it together. You got the good wrestling. You got some celebrities to spice it up a little right. bit. Um, it just makes it interesting, right? right? And I think that's what wrestling really needed to, like, equate to the mainstream, right? They needed this medium. They needed something in between. And if you're, like, a music fan and you like Cindy Lauper music and you're like, what is she doing on wrestling? I like... Right. And, and maybe you also like wrestling. Yeah. Like, and you're like, you look at this and you're like, oh, this is like my two favorite things mashed up. Right. And Vince got it, right? Vince he, got that, He yes. got it. He's like, if I can take two things wrestling fans love and put them together, they're going to want to watch that wrestling. They're not going to want to watch just the wrestling. Right. You know? So whether, you know, whether you like this stuff or not, you have to look at it from this point of view. Wrestling as it is, is still a niche market with a niche audience. Overall, meaning movies are movies. There's audiences for movies. People go out and see movies, whether they're good or bad, right? Mm-hmm. There's an audience for Broadway shows. Yeah. There's an audience for music, a wide audience. Wrestling is much more narrow. So in order to get it something that captures the public's attention and becomes mainstream, you can't do just straight wrestling because straight wrestling, as good as it is, if you're a wrestling fan, is boring to the average person. It's the same thing the NFL realized with the Super Bowl, right? Yes. You can't just have the Green Bay Packers face the Kansas City Chiefs every Super Bowl or right. whatever. <laughs> like, that was the first one, right? Yeah. I think that's boring. You gotta have freaking, you know, the Rolling Stones show up and like, you know, like yeah. all this, like, and all of a sudden you look at the Super Bowl every year yes. and everybody watches it even if they don't even like football. Or, yeah, yeah, right. Like, you know or what the I mean? teams in it or whatever. like, oh, maybe Beyonce will be on or who's gonna be the guest that's gonna sing at the halftime show yeah. or there's a guy i really like uh some actor he's in the crowd right that's cool like yeah. you know and while all of these mass consumable things may not make for a really hip village voice review or something like right. that the fact of the matter is when we're talking business we're talking about making money it needs to be able to reach and interest as many people as possible and whether you like them or not vince mcmahon figured out how to do that for the first time in 30 years yes. since gorgeous george now that being said like yes. like you said that gets the village voice crowd and they, <laughs> yeah. they're like this isn't fucking wrestling yeah. oh, what the fuck like i could watch rick flair have a broadway over Correct. on the other channel like yes. why would i why would i watch this crap this right? watered down crap you know right but here's the thing that vince this is why i think vince is so smart and why he's such an influencer he figured out the base product what it needed to be and then he added to it to the point where he's like well now i also have the wrestling because he brings in like obviously hulk hogan was there but randy savage is like a wrestler right yeah. he brings in a guy like and a that, character and a character the best part. And he looks at he like, to me he's a great example yeah. and he says oh you know i got ricky steamboat from nwa a wrestler a wrestler's wrestler and man me, one the of the re- best the reason why wrestlemania 3 is probably vince's best thing as far as like building everything off, full scale yeah he, he basically said okay we've done this wrestlemania thing it was mainly just about the celebrities but he's like what if i put on like these good matches and then i like merge the celebrities into the story like that's the right. other thing even the celebrity shit escalated like euchre's like part of the thing sure you a, know? a lot of celebrities were parts of things for years right including wrestling in the matches and stuff yeah and that's why it all comes together it's like to me wrestlemania 3 is the like manifestation of vince's like vision you know what I mean? Totally like, agree, and Gwen. that and and that's what wrestling 
is supposed to be I told, under, under his vision. Under his vision, that is a perfect example of it, is WrestleMania right. 3. Uh, WrestleMania 14 would be another, with having Tyson involved. There's a lot right. of good examples. In the wrestling business, it's a question of uh, two or more individuals going out to the ring, wrestling, uh, having a, a little bit of applause or what have you from the audience, and it's time to go home until the next match. That's not really what we do. We're in the sports entertainment business. Let's talk about another influence that Vince has, which actually changed the way most companies now, not just his own, build their programming. Pay-per-view. Yes, pay-per-view. He was huge with that. So that came to be with WrestleMania 2, right? It was like the well, first or wrestling well, classic wrestling or something. Classic yeah, but I mean, because like, one was like only some well, like limited pay-per-view. But what he did is he now made it where you build towards that. And we talked about this a little bit, you know, recently, but this is now what every company does. Yeah. WCW followed suit. ECW when even, they got a pay-per-view Even nowadays deal. with the AEW, yeah. I mean, they're still TNA. following that pay-per-view model, yes. right? You build to the pay-per-view. You build to the pay-per-view. But he figured out how to use this rather new instrument in a way that would make a lot of money and build a lot of interest. Yeah, the idea being Vince, you know, in the old days, Vince, you know, even Crockett, they, they hyped to MSG or the Omni. Yeah, the big, right? the big the, show. Whatever the show in the biggest arena in town was, yeah, right? But, but it wasn't on TV. Or right. If it was, not everyone got it. Vince and Crockett both simultaneously figured out, we can add to our gate if people can watch the damn thing at their house. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yes, right. It's like, we'll still fill the place. We'll still hype to fill the place like of on course. the shows. Like, come to the Omni, yada, yada, yada. But if you can't make it to the Omni, or maybe you live in one of our new expanded territories that you can't, you right. can't go all the way down to Atlanta, but maybe you live in, like, I don't know, fucking Florida or some and shit. And you get the show on TV. Yeah. You get the show on TV. You can come. You can come sit in the Omni. You can come sit in Madison Square Garden. Yep, right. Absolutely. Through your television. Right. And you pay a ticket price. Basically, yeah, is what your pay per view is. And Vince McMahon, what Vince did out of this is like Vince and Crockett were both doing it at first, right? But Vince figured out was that I have this really successful thing, and he said I can knock the other guy off i can yeah. i can be the only guy in town typical he, vince of he, course he can't run the omni the same day i run madison square garden right basically yeah and no, that's a good point and, and we're in completely different territories <laughs> yeah. and i can still rub him off yep. like you and, know get him knock him off the channel and vince you know did all that crap to screw with crockett with the survivor series you know right. knocking starcade off and then the the uh, royal rumble was free against bunkhouse and but, the, for the record crockett got him back with the clash of champions of right. wrestlemania 4 but to be fair what that really did was it set the example that you don't have two pay-per-views on one because it right. could have been a freaking mess. Yeah, it really could have been. If, if this didn't get settled yeah. uh, immediately, like where the two battled and one of them just outbusinessed each other. Yeah, Vince did that in this right, case. There would be like, imagine how chaotic pay-per-view would be if AEW and WWE yeah. were on, on the same, they had the same pay-per-view on the same night. Right. Like, it would suck. Yeah, because like, pe- people have enough of a time holding their shit together on Wednesday nights with these yeah. middling ratings that both shows yeah. get. It's funny. And that's another thing Vince did is TV. Another influence, right? His whole TV product is like worlds ahead of anything. It, yeah, it, for a time it wasn't, obviously. 82, 83 it wasn't. Mm-hmm. He did pick up a few things from what Bill Watts was doing. He did, it's clear he did. Maybe yeah. maybe he didn't. Someone picked told up production him. from Dick Ebersol as well. Oh yeah, um, but the w- the way he shot the syndication was genius in the eighties because he offered three shows a package, if you yes, will, a package where you had to take the A. Remember we've talked about this. You had yeah. to take superstars, mm-hmm. which was the A. If you wanted another one, you could take challenge. 
And if you wanted uh, the third one, you could take Spotlight. So if you're taking Challenge, you have to take Superstars. It was just a smart way to yeah. do it, where stations would carry at least one show, but sometimes two or three. But that's just syndication. He's also got USA Network, so he's running All-American Wrestling. He's running Primetime Wrestling. And we talked about that with the cable, so that's everywhere. WWF All-American Wrestling, Sunday at noon, and Primetime Wrestling tonight at 9, only on USA. And then the other thing Vince did, I have to give him credit here. Uh, Listen, I know Crockett did those clashes live, but to do, Vince was the first to say, you know what, fuck it, we're going to do every week live with Raw. Initially, right? Initially, that that was the idea. Yeah, initially, initially, it was like, Every single week was live. That was yep. the concept of the show. That was but the whole point. It's, it's live on Mondays on a regular Monday night. Yep. It's live. And it has been now since 19... When did they switch? Well, 1999? Yeah, well, yeah, that's <laughs> when they... Because so, um, after God. the first couple of Raws, they stopped because they were like, we can't fucking do this. No, they did one live and three tried, taped. is the point. They tried, yeah. and, and they have been doing it live now for 21 years. Right. You know, every live. single Monday, live. Yeah, no matter what. Let's talk about another thing about Vince McMahon. Again, folks, you can draw your own conclusions here on what you think is good or bad, but we're just saying some of the things that we think he's responsible for. Merchandising. Yeah. Now, again, God bless you, NWA fans, but what the fuck kid was going to play with a Jack Briscoe action figure in 1978? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Now, I'm not saying you wouldn't have, but you got to be a wrestling fan. To, to play with a Hulk Hogan Hasbro or LJN, you didn't even need to be a wrestling fan. So what Vince McMahon took was actually that merchandise shit it came out of the fallout of um, Hulk and Vern's problems with merchandise. Japan stuff, what Vern Vince, had a problem with the one of the cut. What Vince realized that Vern didn't was, is that if he takes too much of a cut, none of these fucking guys are going to want to work with him. So right. Vince gave them royalties that were acceptable terms. Let's put it that way. Especially the higher star you he, were. Vince Absolutely. realized that I can just sell more of this shit yeah. if, if I just work with them. So he worked with Hulk. Right. You know, he he said uh, how much per- he basically was like, well, what what is Vern not giving you? Correct. You know, and, and, and Vince, he, he must have gauged from there. Like, how do I work with the- he negotiated with these people? Correct. And what that did was also spread cultural pop cultural awareness. Because you think about the 80s, which was a very pivotal time in terms of children's programming and a very fondly remembered time in terms of Saturday morning cartoons and just what was popular. Hey, Nogger, this isn't OSW Review. We're talking about things as you go throughout the 80s into the early 90s. You know, Saturday morning cartoons and the commercials you'd see. You'd see G.I. Joe. You'd see Transformers. You'd see Thundercats. You'd see Mario Brothers, right? All of these things. And then once you got to the late 80s, you'd see action figures. Yeah. Yeah. You'd see wrestling buddies. Yeah. You'd see uh, rings. The toy rings. Right, exactly. T shirts, videotapes, which we've talked about when we talked about videotapes. Freaking catalog. Right. An entire catalog. Not saying he's the first uh, promoter to ever sell a wrestling t shirt. But he did it. That's not what I mean. He did it by using characters. Yeah. Hulk Hogan was on the level of cartoon heroes at the time and superheroes mm-hmm. at the time and Super Mario, essentially. Right. This is all under the same umbrella. I think he. I think the thing that we're, we're missing is he marketed also towards children. Well, yeah. He realized... Instead of the smoky bars. It, instead of the smoky <laughs> bars, right? He realized that kids are going to buy a bunch of shit. They're going to, like, ask their parents. I was like, I want Hulk Hogan. I, I want Macho Man action figure. You know, right. like, I, I want the wrestling buddies. I want the ring. I want right. the belt. You know, like... The wrestling album. I, I, music. I want the music. I want the tapes. <laughs> right. Like, so I can watch it endlessly on repeat. And, and, you know? And that's what kids did. It became a thing for kids and not just for the old dash. Like, oh, I smoke a man here. See? It's marketing. It's Vince, marketing. Vince 
also knew the marketing. Yes. And that's the other thing is that he doesn't get enough credit for. He yeah. marketed this shit to the point where your parents weren't afraid anymore to buy you wrestling shit. Great point, right? Quinn. Like, it Great was like, point. It was like, oh, this is like, it's colorful and it, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem as violent, right? right? Yeah. There, there's no blood on it or anything. No, and like, there really wasn't much. Yeah, it's ever. not like they sell blood packets so you could put it on the <laughs> toys or something. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it was a great point, They look like G.I. Joe's. Yes. Like, you know? A great point, though, because the product was cleaned up. The product was glitzy. The product was sanitized. Yeah, and it you was... could leave your kids in front of Saturday Morning Superstars right after, and you didn't have to worry, right? They're not Absolutely. Gonna, they're not going to curse. They're, they're colorful characters. It's a barber. It's right. an Elvis impersonator. It's a, it's a snake man. It's, it's, a, a, snake. it's a rich man. Yeah, it's a rich... It, these are all it's just caricatures, like, yeah. you know, but they're not overtly being like, fuck you, asshole, <laughs> you know, like, so you, you're like, whoa, 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 I yeah. can't let my kids watch this. Right, uh, to this day, they still get that. They still get you that audience. Still, still like, get it. Honestly, you would feel comfortable leaving your son in front of a WWE product nowadays, right? Like, uh, overall, probably. Overall, for the, mo- for the most for part the most is what part. I mean. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, that's all I'm saying. And that was something that hadn't been done, I don't know, I'm not going to say ever, but look, what's more appealing to kids? Watching uh, Vern Gagne roll around with Nick Bockwinkle or right. watching Hulk Hogan do the hand wave? Right. That's Whether you like it or not, don't like it if you don't like it. I don't mm-hmm. care one way or another. You know what I mean? I get yeah. that. But that's what he did. For right. better or for worse, in anyone's opinion. You don't see knives. You don't see guns. Uh, you don't see rapes. You don't see anything at all like that that's portrayed in anything that we do. It's a very wholesome, family-oriented environment. Vince McMahon also changed finally reluctantly kicking and screaming with the times into the late 90s, brought us the Attitude Era. I don't know that that necessarily had a great influence on the business, right. but it I was mean, necessary. This, this is one turn for Vince. Um, like we just talked about, it was sanitized. Adaptability is, I think, the other influence of Vince is because he realized... After years, by the way. After years. It took him a while. But it took him a while, but it, it, he, he struck at the right time either way. He waited, because this is something... Bischoff beat him at his own game in the children's department. Oh, he got he, Hulk Hogan Bischoff and all that, killed him. all that shit. For right, a so couple years. Vince is adaptable, and this this is another quality that a lot of promotions now who try to compete, they're like, I got to be as versatile as yeah. Vince too, right? Vince said, okay, we're losing in the children's department. Let's take do complete one eighty, right? Let's make it just Howard Stern. Let's just go nuts Essentially, with it, right? You know, that's what it became. And, it was and, very of its time, also. Is yeah. the other thing. Now, to be fair, I mean, once Vince dispatched his competitor in that children's market, he went right back to it. Like he was yeah. like, I can't live off this. Like no. he, he saw he saw the writing on the walls. Like we cannot live on this Howard Stern no. uh, shock TV product for long and he immediately sw- he got john cena yeah he exactly. just started he just over again to that. yeah well because vince had never been a public darling anyway you right. know and he got a lot more heat between i'd say 1998 and 2002 for all the crap as they as were doing as, yeah, as soon as he saw okay we, we can't do this anymore he went right back to the cuddly yep. buy the john cena t-shirt became right? yeah. publicly traded and, and all they that even worked into the attitude era as like this bygone era and then they, yeah. and then they cap that's an Another fucking thing that he influenced is this capitalizing on your back catalog, right? Give him credit. They marketed the Attitude Era as like, oh, here was this weird contained time where anything right. went, right? right. And yeah. now you can watch it all for nine ninety nine on the fucking Marketing. WWE network. Yeah, that's another you know? thing he did was the network. Again, Vince McMahon, the person. We're not really here to talk about that. Obviously, yeah. uh, he's a businessman and a, a very strange individual by all accounts. Right. He, he could be ruthless and vindictive, but he also has exhibited some. Uh, 
acts of kindness and generosity and helping people out. That's true. To be fair to, to be him. fair. Yeah. I mean, he's a human. No one's perfect. No one's totally evil. Right. Uh, but we're not here to really talk about Vince McMahon, the man. And I don't really want to talk about him too much from a creative standpoint. But all we're probably like missing. There's influence. so much. There, there, it's, it's literally like you have to look at Vince McMahon's influence as it is every single thing that's in the product you watch today. In one way or another, that's yeah. true. And for all the shit people give him, and a lot of it is deserved, don't get me wrong, you know, all the talk of WrestleMania being canceled one way or another. And the big fallout from that is what are all these tiny little indie fuckers going to do? Sorry, but like yeah. that build their well, whole gonna... thing around WrestleMania being in town and WrestleMania weekend. Well, if, if the story is you can only have 250, I get guarantee you all the indies will say, well, we'll just book a hall that fills 250. Vince yep. will be like, I can't fucking do that. Yeah. Right. Like, but the point I'm trying to make is yeah. those guys need Vince McMahon in town. Yeah. They are piggybacking off of WrestleMania weekend. Right. You know what I'm saying? So whether you like him or not, this guy. I mean, it's just one of the countless other things, too, is the fact that Vince decided to make the WrestleMania into, like, a Super Bowl-style yeah. event where everybody could profit off yeah, of it. Yeah, essentially. Know? Now, does that mean you have to like uh, the current product? No. Does that mean you have to like the overly scripted promos and the bland, repetitive nature of creative today? No. Does that that's, mean that's the consequences of mainstream? Yeah, that's one of the things. Yeah. Uh, does it mean you have to like his refusal to say the word wrestling or rustling if you're Vince or the term medical facility instead of hospital and all these other weird, annoying quirks? No, no, no. What's the consequence of sanitizing? <laughs> it, it I is. Mean, we're talking about yeah. all the you're like, there's there's negatives to all these positives. Yep, exactly. You know? Doesn't mean you have to like it. But one way or another, I think everyone can agree that for better or for worse, Vince McMahon has had a profound influence on wrestling as we know it and as we grew up with it in the WWF anyway, obviously. And there's probably a lot of other things we're missing that are good and bad. Quinn, any final thoughts? When you start listing, if you just take stock in your brain, everything that Vince either did first or he improved or whatever, you're basically looking at the product as a whole everywhere right even even the aews the tnas the right. you know whatever competitors you look at right it's all because they're just trying to mimic what he accomplished in his time running the world wrestling federation wide federation <laughs> entertainment thing. yes exactly yep. and uh, i think that uh is enough said on that i think vince mcmahon had a, a period of time where he was hugely uh, on the ball not so much probably anymore, but still a very successful businessman one way or another. Mm -hmm. And whether you like him or not, again, doesn't matter to me. I don't necessarily like him. I just think that he is what he is. I think uh, if we wouldn't have all these great memories to look back on and talk about if it wasn't for what he did. We wouldn't have a financially stable product that you can rely on as if it's the NFL, the MLB, the NBA. something that you don't have to worry about going away. You That's wouldn't a good have point. that. You Even know? at its very worst, he fought and clawed and cut costs, and he made sure that it stayed on television. He made sure that people still watched it. So, yep. bit of a salute, bit of a uh, discussion there on Vince McMahon here on the finale. It's a little extra supersized segment as we've done that. But, Quinn, when we come back, the world is waiting because we have put eight of the worst managers of all time as voted by you, the fans. We've ranked them. There are only two left in the tank. We are going to see where they rank. The final Royal Flush of Managers is coming up right after this. When I was just a boy, everybody told me what I should do and who I should be. We're going to check in now with uh, Vince uh, McMahon. Uh, Vince, what's going on at uh, New York Hospital? 
Well, actually, the word is out, of course, on the late night baby, and we are experiencing or in anticipation of certainly a deluge of pregnant women at this moment on their way down to the waiting room. However, uh, we have been told by Dr. Saxon that there is a, a Mrs. Fury that has about a 30% chance of delivering within the hour somewhat uh, long odds. With me right now, however... What did he say? Uh, John Long Martino, on. and uh, John, uh, you came through, but you came through a little bit too early, about 35 minutes too early. Have you always been uh, a little early with everything you do? <laughs> well, not all the time, but we try. We try hard. Well, congratulations to Bouncing Baby Girl. Thank you. Perhaps Thank you. a former, uh, or perhaps a future lady wrestler. Well, yeah, good that, idea. Uh, good uh, idea. Now, uh, Vince, I'm sorry, is, is, is that a new father there? That this is a new father. Well, sure, uh, yeah. by all means, tell him congratulations on our behalf, and we're sorry that uh, his daughter is not eligible for the late-night baby competition, but good luck. Best of luck to you. Back to you. Uh, Vince, I have a question for you uh, also. Yes, David. I is that your tuxedo? Uh, no, actually, it's not. Okay. <laughs> Now, back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys again for being with us here for our Season 17 finale. It's episode number 170, March the 23rd, 2020. Hello, Michael. Hi. Hi. How you doing there? Uh, good. Good. You know what else is good? What? We have a Patreon. What's that? Well, patreon.com slash OVP podcast is a site that you can go to. And if you like OVP, maybe you've been listening a while. Maybe you just started listening, but you really like it and you want more and you want to support us give us a few bucks and you're gonna get a lot of great content uh, we talked about a, a little bit already but on the five dollar tier which gets you everything it's the highest tier we have so many it's the most highest of tier and you won't shed any tier no. uh, if you do this because for five bucks a month you're gonna get like we said every single pay-per-view review that we've done a new one comes out every month SummerSlam 89 is out now next month will be survivor series we're just going in order those are fun. Those are like two and a half, three, four hour shows. Yeah, they're cute. They'll carry you through your week, perhaps. They'll carry you through your month. Yeah. If you listen to an hour yeah. every every week. Once a week, yeah. yeah. So uh, you can enjoy those. You also get on the $3 tier, you get the bi-weekly 1983 live reviews. Right now we're in April of 83. It's where Quinn and I sit down on video form and audio, and we go through WWF Championship Wrestling in order week by week. We started in January of 82. And we're now about halfway through 83, Michael. There's a bunch of free episodes out there. Um, on YouTube. However, you know, if you want to... There's a lot of not free episodes. <laughs> yeah. If you want to... Once you finish those, you, you want to keep going. Stay ahead They're of the all game. on the Patreon. All on the Patreon. That's on the $3 tier. And those are bi-weekly on Fridays. And then on the $2 tier, if you just want to kick us a couple of bucks, you're going to get the raw video, which is the making of every single Monday episode, including the one you're listening to right now. It's a video where you get to see us doing that. Uh, behind side the scenes. conversations. Side shirts. conversations. Shirts. Yeah, what we're wearing. Uh, and that uh, also includes the $2 tier, a back archive of content, which mm -hmm. is the... Mount Rushmore and Death Valley Extras. Yes. We did about a dozen of those. And we did over 30 OVP commentaries where it's Quinn and I doing a commentary on a specific match from the WWE Network, and you can sync it up with us if you want to, or just listen to it as a standalone. Again, we do this Patreon not because we expect to get rich, not because we want to rip anyone off. We try to give you the best value that we possibly can, uh, and that's why we cap it at $5 a month. Mm -hmm. And we don't give you anything that we feel is worthless or stupid, you know, to try to entice you. You just get 
extra content, which is what we assume you would want yeah. if you like our show to it's begin like, with. It's like the full OVP experience, OVP Unlimited or something, you know? That's a great idea, actually. Yeah. OVP Unlimited. So uh, if you want to give us a shout, if you want to give it a try, go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast and uh, see if you want to donate. We'd appreciate that. But if not, that's fine, too. Now, Michael. Yes. The final flush. Final flush. This is it. No more Unlimited toilets. flush. Unlimited flushing. The Royal Rankings and Royal Flush, folks, in case you're new to the show, is where we ask you, the fans, before the start of every season, including right now, if you go to our Facebook group, you have a few days left to vote for next season's, Mm -hmm. which is going to be WWF Tag Team Champions. Wow. Joe Merkel is handling that. He has been doing that for us all season long, uh, handling the votes here. Basically, you guys give us a list of your top 10 and your bottom 10 of something. For this season, it was managers. And then week by week, we alternate best and worst. We pull two names out. We rank them. So by the end of the season, we will have the definitive, scientifically proven, non-GMO, organic, USDA certified organic. Both organics. Healthy, also. Yes. Very uh, healthy. <laughs> it's it's very good. Uh, <laughs> toilet, toilet paper included. Yeah. Best and worst managers of all time. Uh, so we've done the best. That was last week. That is finished. But here is the eight names on the worst list. At number one, still the worst manager of all time, as voted by OVP. Jose Lothario. Congratulations, John. Good job, John. Number two, Oscar. Oscar. <laughs> really? Just nothing, huh? No. Like, he's got nothing to offer. Number three, Quinn's personal fa- favorite here is Paul Ellering. Could have been one in my book. I hate him. Proculator of destruction. <laughs> Procastinator. I don't what whatever he is. Proctologist. Proctologist. Number four, Couch. No, Coach. Coach, yes, Coach. <laughs> the, the outrage yes. for like one appearance continues. Uh, number five, the lovely, the wonderful but the not very good sweet sapphire i like her i do too i, I like her a lot <laughs> number six arnold scoland sitting yeah, in a chair he doesn't again doesn't do anything this is <laughs> this to me is the mark <laughs> number seven oliver humperdink where's rebox neat <laughs> not lou albano yeah and number eight harvey whippleman i still don't understand <laughs> he's why he's on bad. the list he's okay they're uh, still mad at him for dating bertha Faye. that's all it is really remember folks. how mad vince was about this like how dare he how they're fat yeah. uh, she's fat you know whatever yeah. it was but anyway those are the eight on the board the time for talking is through now is it time for turkey or is there none it's a little early for that joe okay no turkey uh, sorry it's uh you gotta wait the time for months. toilet paper is here let's go down to howard finkel four the Royal Flush. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal I promise you one thing, the razor's edge will have no effect on Adam Bomb. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, al-Salaatu wa-Salaamu alaykum. And I am the Proculator of Destruction. Just give me one minute alone with that genius. I'm gonna thrash him. John. What are you scrubbing eyes, Grandma? It is the royal flush, the final flush. Like we have said, Quinn, there's 
Hang on, we're running out of TP. Okay, you gotta be careful here. Hey! Hey! It's the final flush, and we are going to be putting the final two names. Okay, that's really quite enough. It's really enough for one season, please. We're gonna find out who the final two names are, and we're gonna put them on. I have nothing left to say. I am ready. Let's do it. The anticipation. Get them out there. We need to find out, folks. This is very important. TP on their shoe as they they come the last square. This is gonna be going uh, into Village Voice, obviously, this ranking. Meltzer's waiting for it. It's gonna be in the Observer next month. It's gonna be fantastic. So without any further ado here, let's all find out who drew number nine. See, so I told the people right here on television that I suffered two operations from the hands of Valiant. You know, if there were ever a manager that I really have no opinion on, it's Paul Jones. Paul Jones. I'm f- quite indifferent I to him. I refer to him as Mr. Safari. Mi- like, yeah. I feel like he's always wearing something. Sometimes he looks like Hitler. Safari or... <laughs> yes. he- problems there. Yeah, like uniforms, something. Well, uh, overall... He's okay. I don't know why he made the list. I guess people just don't like him. I'm very indifferent to him. I don't think he's good. As I said to you in the off time or whatever here, I feel like he's very utility. That's the the most I can describe him as. So he's like a, he's basically like a lower tier manager, but in NWA. He's like a Johnny V of NWA, perhaps. I I feel like he's more like closer to Slick's level. Yeah, Johnny maybe. V is lower than Slick. Johnny Fee is lower than Slick. I don't know. Yeah. Johnny Fee had the uh, tag champions. It doesn't. Dream Team. It was a nightmare. Yeah, it was. At it one became time, a nightmare and Then he them. never had a career anymore. Harley <laughs> Blue scrambled eggs, Grandma. Just to say. Paul Jones was actually a pretty successful wrestler during his period of time. He wrestled in the 60s through the early 80s. Mm-hmm. Mainly in NWA territories like Mid-Atlantic uh, Championship Wrestling from Florida. Multi-time tag champion in various territories. Things like that. We're not here to talk about him as a wrestler. The but usual he, wrestling credentials. Yeah, a pretty good one, though. I wrestled sometimes, so I guess I'll be a manager now. <laughs> Basically. The, the, the usual path. The usual path. Uh, he was actually, which is funny, speaking of whom, uh, Sir Oliver Humperdinck managed him for a little while in the early 80s. That yeah. in the Humperdinck <laughs> Isn't that thing? funny? It's, to me, that just, wow, Oliver Humperdinck is minor. Yeah. Like, managing a he manager. Was, he was, yeah. But in 1982, he became a manager full-time and formed what would become known as Paul Jones Army, and that was pretty much his stable uh, down <laughs> in Mid- from, As soon as <laughs> you ahead, say that, ahead. I'm just like, really? Yeah, I know, I know. It's like Bobby the Braden Heenan family. Paul Jones Army. I have an army. I guess that's why he always wears, like, army stuff. Correct. That would be why. Uh, so this stable of people at various points, and again, this isn't Crockett's promotion here, so he's pretty prominent on television. Oh yeah, he's like all over the place. He's all over. He's got a lot of guys, so he's got his hands in a lot of it's stuff. It's usually the guys in the like beginning of the show, not yeah. like anybody important. Correct. Uh, and mainly he feuded with uh, Jimmy Valiant, Boogie Woogie for a while. Yeah. That was his big thing. As much as I, it pains me to say this, Paul Jones' importance was nowhere near on the level of, say, a J.J. Dillon in the mid-80s. No. And I hate to say that. Why you hate to say that? Because I don't like Dillon. I think Dylan's he's just good. dry. He's, he's like fine. the cornflakes of managers. <laughs> he's not All as bad brand. as Paul Jones. Not he's even, not. Not even close. No. To, it's to the point where J.J.'s actually on the rankings. Yeah, I know. It's a good point. Our fans voted in Paul Jones. I might have as well. I didn't yeah. do my own personal you know, 10, but Paul Jones might have made my worst. I'm not sure. But just to give you an idea of some of the people that were in this stable, we're talking about, like, superstar Billy Graham for a little while. We're talking about Pistol Pez in this. Pistol Pez. That was, to me, that was... Shaska. Yeah. So, I, can I just say a minute about yes. this Pistol Pez thing? Shaska. I, yeah, well, I'll explain. I love this a lot because... I know you do. So, if you watched 
a lot, especially like when the NWA like emerged into greatness in like the mid eighties, like, like you know, when the horsemen first came yeah. around and stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. Yep. Um there would always be this stupid job or pistol pez, he just lose, lose, lose. He yeah. was awful. Pez Watley. He he was kinda like I don't know, he's kinda like the underpants of, of that show. Like he, he really is better like, than underpants. Oh no, well, okay. No. It's if underpants joined a faction. Okay. This is what I mean. I by can this. Live with it's that. like Pistol Pez never won ever. No, right? he didn't. He was like the SD Jones, maybe on that level. <laughs> I don't even. He was th- traded. I don't, I don't even think. He Wasn't was... he treated like better? But he not, never won. Not when he didn't no. have Paul Jones. Okay. No. So then one day he decides to like turn heel. Yes. And he's got Paul Jones, and now he has a top hat and a coat with tails. Yep, it's real. And for some unbeknownst reason, he calls himself Shaska Watley. Like Shaska. He's, is he Russian now? I don't understand like what that is. I don't know. But anyway, either way, now he's Shaska Watley instead, yep. and it's just—it's actually like probably the best thing Paul Jones was involved in because it's really, really funny to me. Quite possibly this one of the better that, things. Yeah, that has decided not to be like he's just made the decision not to be a jobber anymore. Correct. Yeah, that's essentially what <laughs> yeah. it was. Shaska, you have a mission, and you know what it is. Paul Jones also managed like the uh, Power of Japan Warlord Barbarian. He managed Baron Von Roshka, your favorite. Yeah. Baron Von Roshka is always <laughs> wandering around. If, oh, and if he's heel, he has a manager. When he's not heel, like later he's face in NWA. Yes, and he, he just is. doesn't have a manager it's, now. But he like shows up 50 freaking times in Starcade 86. So, like go back and look. Like after every single match, over. there's like a hubbub and he like helps break it up like he's freaking Chief J Armstrong. <laughs> Chief J Armstrong, strong bow. Sorry, <laughs> that's even better. Yeah, Paul Jones did man. It was J Armstrong. I don't know. I just mix. Sometimes I don't know what it is. Now we watch the Chief so much, and I usually just call him the Chief. Yeah, but in my brain, I'll always say Armstrong instead of strong bow. Chief Joe Armstrong. This is like a new thing that's happened to me lately. New development. Yeah, kind of like when you used to mix up Rick Steamboat and Jimmy Snuka for some yeah, reason. I don't know why. I don't know what that was. Uh, Paul Jones did manage uh, NWA World Tag Champions in Manny Fernandez and Rick Rude. So he had a little mm-hmm. bit of clout, but again, it was more of these, like, how do I describe Paul Jones? It was more of like a, we need to fill the program with things, so here's this manager and his feud to and me, his it always stable. was like, whenever they turned mid-carters into heels, like Manny Fernandez, right? Raging Bull, right, a big yes. face forever. Big face. Like, he's kind of like the Tito Santana, like, literally. Like, he's good wrestler. Same energy. Like, like, but even like in the the spot he's in, yeah, like yeah, right, I like, agree. It's like basically they turn him heel, and it's like all of a sudden Paul Jones shows up. Like, you know, that's a really good point. Uh, one of the good things though is that uh, the feud with Jimmy Valiant. If you like Jimmy Valiant, it's fun. Yeah, like the whole thing with like his guys and always fighting boogie woogie. Well, that stuff's entertaining. Yeah, like, that's it, what I mean. It's that's like the rare like Crockett like <laughs> going for the entertainment yeah. angle, right? It's like he gets banned or whatever. Yeah, he lost the loser leaves town. Crawling around on his knees. Saul Valiant covered by Paul Jones. Counted to three, but very definitely it was J.J. Dillon who had something in that fist when he slugged Jimmy Valiant. So, I, again, with Paul Jones, it, promo-wise... He's not great. I never heard one where I'm like, wow, that's good. But he just says, like, it, my guys are going to win. It's just, I yeah. guess it's the generic. It's like the Oliver Humperdinck factor where it's like, yeah, he's okay at talking, but it's whatever to me. You know he what really I mean? He really does, like, the base functions of the three philosophers. Yeah, like, that's, like, that, that's like all he does. <laughs> that's kind of what it is. And I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to say that I don't like him. It's just that he doesn't stand out. He doesn't stand out except for, like, wearing the weird clothes sometimes that's about right. it seriously yeah. i he, think i heard him on commentary once or probably, something you yeah know, whatever humperdinck did that too he's very uh, as quinn would say indescript yeah in a lot very of ways. indescript he's a heel manager that was just there for a few years as a heel manager the one thing i will say about him is i can't think of him as like one of the worst things ever like, i don't he, think so either he's just, 
I think people want him to be more than he is because he has all the funky outfits and like he has like a these stable. feuds with people and yeah. stuff like it, but it just never gets to that point where you care. Right, and then he kind of like fade. Like I don't remember 80, ever 80, seeing 89. him in, in like ninety or ninety one. No. Even he left, I think, in eighty nine. Okay, that was it for him. Yeah, yeah. So he didn't really make it to the Turner era too much. You know no. that version. WCW didn't seem like a guy that would translate to the Turner because it, not really. he's very wrestling. I don't know how else to describe it. No, very, I agree. Like he's not of the like modern times. He's not a Mr. Fuji. I'm not yeah. saying he's better or worse, but he's not a Fuji or a slick, which is an outlandish character. Yeah, he's more you can kind of translate that to yeah, the mainstream. Right. He's more, like, who's this stupid guy in an army outfit? He's yeah, doing nothing. It's just like, like a subdued, like heel character, which, you know, it strikes me as like sometimes we've watched promotions that we don't watch much, like AWF from mm-hmm. 95 or something like that, or, you know, one of these one-offs where it's just like, well, there's the heel manager for that promotion. And yeah. they're very bland and generic. Yeah. That's kind of what he is to me. You know what I mean? He's like he's baby Bundy guy. Yeah. Like the baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. But like, there's some kind of like Paul E. Dangerously clone in, in uh, Heroes of Wrestling where he's like got the cell phone. Remember? Don't you hate when a manager oh. is like a clone yeah. of like another? It, it, it's always the hot shot. Like with it. You know, yeah. It's, it's, it's always like, poor. I, it's hot shot that's not really. Yeah. It's like that guy that you see in like, you're at like some New York thing. Like you're in New York yeah. and you're at some event and some guy with sunglasses on and a cell phone and you're just like, this guy. Thinking he's good. Yeah. He thinks he's so good. It's like, yeah, I got this hot deal for a nightclub or something. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like that thing. To me, that's like generic manager in wrestling. Yeah, like, it is know, though. You know what I mean? It's like one of the tropes is like the rich kind of smart person or but something. he might not be rich. He's just like a good hustler or something. Good hustler, yeah. And Paul Jones wasn't really the rich thing. Or he's just like a heel. I don't know how else to say it. That's the... <laughs> What I've always gotten it's from like him. like a whip thing. I yeah, he does. He it's very, says, yeah. Like I said, it's very Hitler-esque. Yeah. It is. There's a little trace of that there. Uh, why? I, I don't know. That's why you're supposed to hate him. Yeah, I guess. And because he's annoying. But the problem with that is it's the 80s and not the, the 60s, you <laughs> yeah, know? Or the 40s. Yeah. But overall, eh. That's my yeah. my overall thing on Paul Jones. We'll see where he ranks. Very eh. He's very, eh. I mean, he did some stuff. He was never in a big money feud. He wasn't Cornette. Mm-hmm. To be fair, he, he wasn't. Was, he was not. He was not on the, he not, not even close to him. Not on the level of talking or importance. He wasn't. As much as I don't I love Cornette, he's not even close to Cornette. And as much as I hate acknowledging it, he doesn't touch J.J. Dillon no. in terms of anything important that he did. He was just their lower level mid-card heel manager. That's what he was. Very fill in the blanks. Very exactly. utility. Just like, utility manager. We got, we got this new heel. Um, we don't really, we're not really going to push him. Here yeah, you go, Paul Jones. Kind of like what Fuji became in the early 90s yeah. with like Berserker and stuff like yeah. that. Or Harvey Whippleman became. Exactly. You know, yeah. uh, there's Quang. You you take him. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was kind of like we, that. We, he has a mask on. He can't really talk. Yeah. So. Just, can you say some shit? We yeah. don't even care what it is. Uh, hey, hey, we'll win. Yeah, like, that's it, what it, it is. It's always that. Like, and you don't know what my man can do mm-hmm. because when we get to the show, he's going to go. Yeah, it's just so, yeah. like, I the could write that. Generic. And I, yeah. like I could be a manager and just <laughs> fill that role. Yeah. I could be the uh, Wine City Whalers manager. Oh, I'd like to see that. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like and to see that. not just be like, uh-huh. uh, whoever he's shooting with, you stink. You're going down. You're, you're, you're going down to the ground for the one, two, three. Dude. You know, like. Yeah. That, that, you have a cell phone and sunglasses while you say this? That's all I need. Like, I could just, I could go to the store and do, I already have a cell phone, so. 
I, you know, I, ta- I do have sunglasses, but it's a little out of season right now. So what do you mean out of the sun is always out? Yeah, but yeah, you wear it in the in the warm. No, weather. you wear them when the sun is in your That's eyes. Why I don't like people who wear them in the winter. I like, wear them in the winter. You have a problem? It's still the winter technically because it's bright. What do you it mean? De- why it denotes warm weather? No, it doesn't I feel like denote it send, anything. It sends the wrong message. No, the message is I don't want a blinding sun in my eye yeah, when just, I'm driving to the Dunkin' Donuts. Just just try it uh, seasonally one time. We get to the when we get when we get to the fall. Jettison the sunglasses and do what when I'm driving in the sun well you just only in the car okay you well, could that's always use, I wear them. you could always use i always use the the what it, what that thing it's that called comes a visor. Out, visor thingy yeah. i don't wear the sunglasses only what? in the only in the winter i've known you or 21 only in the summer i've known sorry. you 21 years and i'm just now finding out that you don't wear sunglasses in the winter it's just it's not proper I, don't I think know. it's fine to do the that. The sun's less powerful anyway. In the, no, it's in the, just as powerful. It's just further away. It's out longer. Less time. Yeah, whatever. Let's move on now yes. to number 10. So that's Paul Jones. We'll see where he ranks. Not a sunglasses wearer. No, no. Uh, this is this is going to be interesting because I'm sure people have, uh, as they always do for the number 10, they either really know who it's going to be, probably like last week when it was Bobby Heenan as number 10 mm-hmm. for the best. And folks, this is random drawing. We really promise that it's random. Yeah, uh, obviously we can't control the randomness at the end because no. there's only two left. Yeah, there's but... only two left. Uh, but this is a pick em. Mm-hmm. This could be anyone. There's a lot of bad managers. A lot of people got a lot of votes. You folks voted on it, and if you didn't, we'll vote on next season's. Go to our Facebook group and do that. But f- let's just cut the shit here. It is time to find Hit out. the flush button. Who drew number 10? Tu pensais que Bravo était pas dans la grosse ligne? Bien à fait. Quand le match, la poussière, il n'a plus eu. Ce qui est arrivé, un, deux, trois, qui qui a levé la main? A dit non, Bravo. What a piece of garbage. What a piece of trash. <laughs> Just the worst garbage I've ever seen. We can get, we can thank Gorilla Monsoon for uh, doing more for this man as a manager than anybody else. This it's is a, Frenchie Martin. It's amazing, his disgust for, for this man. Like, I don't get it. More I, than any manager, right? More than anyone. <laughs> out, of, out of, we, I think we've been now through every single WF manager at this point. Like, I Pretty can't much, think of yeah. any we really skipped. Besides Sonny. Sonny, yeah. yeah. But Gorilla, wow. He, like, would, he hated Frenchie Martin. I've never... I you He usually doesn't get that... Like, he usually says, oh, they shouldn't be around yeah, or whatever. I don't trust him. Yeah, I wouldn't buy a car from him or whatever. He hated Frenchie. But Good Frenchie Lord. Martin was just straight up, he's a piece of trash. <laughs> yeah. Like, the moment he saw... Piece of trash is here. Like as soon as yeah. you see him, I said, "Shut up." Who cares what Frenchie has to say? If he could say shit on the air, he would have. Yeah, that, <laughs> he would have said that piece of shit. Ah, piece of shit! What a scumbag! Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Jean Gagnier, Frenchie Martin, he was another guy. Wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. I'm going to become a manager now. Or boots, like yeah. cowboy boots, <laughs> yeah. and like a singlet. Now, Frenchie, though, for for what it's worth, I mean, I don't know that he was necessarily a bad wrestler. He had one of those careers where it was just, I, I do this in this very territory. Very Grand Prix. Very but, Yeah, that. he was a Canadian. I mean, yeah. he's obviously from uh, Quebec. He wrestled, right. believe it or not, as most people in Canada did, for Stu Hart for a period of time. Where's a monocle? That was a little later, yeah. Was that, was that also in the wrestler version, though? I'm not sure. I don't think so. Okay. He was more straightforward so as a wrestler. I, I feel like his eye was always like doing that monocle squint. I don't know if he was always doing the monocle squint. Yeah. I, I just, I, in my brain, even when he wrestles, he's doing it. Okay. Uh, he worked down in a WWC for uh, Carlos Colon, that youngster, no. for a little while in the 80s. Very young, vibrant promotion. Yes, very much so. Not violent at all. Yep. Uh, he made his way to the WF in the fall of 86. And at first, just as like a Java wrestler. Yeah, not I as a manager, being like Boston Gardens or something. Yeah, he like wrestled. just loses to somebody. You know? <laughs> he did. He just wrestled and lost a lot. But in the summer of '87, 
<laughs> this is what's funny, and I've seen some of these. On the Canadian version of Superstars, which I think they called Maple Leaf Wrestling, mm-hmm. he hosted Les Studio. Yes, this I remember this too. Like because I don't know how I saw it or what. It's he's like a painter. he's like painting, and that's why he's he in wore this like smock. very avant garde like looking thing. Like yes. you know what I mean? Like there's like nothing in the room but an easel. Yes, and like I think there was like a window in the back. There was a window. No, it was you're like right. Kind of dark. It looked like German Impressionism or something. I, I this is all in my brain. I could be completely wrong. I'd be hanging about Karl Heinz Stockhausen yeah. there, but yeah. What do you mean? Say anything. Thing you want to these people out here. I don't know what you're saying, and I never have trusted you. Great, great. I never have. Tr- I don't like your paintings. I'm pretty good with the camera myself. So, uh, so Frenchie Martin was first a painter. Yes. This is why he wears the smock as a manager. It's amazing that he kept it just from these, like, <laughs> these only Canadian things yeah, that, like, nobody had any frame of re- yeah. Like, imagine if you're an American fan, you're like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know... Because he was only wrestling, like, Boston Garden. Those shows weren't, like, aired outside of there. Uh, Nesson. Yeah, yeah, just Nesson. So you're, you're you know, Joe Fan from, I don't know, um, Kansas That's or something? That's my last name, actually, is Joe Fan. Joe yeah. Fan. Yeah. And you come you come to WWF in Topeka um, okay, yeah, at, that sure. week, and Frenchie Martin comes out with Dino Bravo, and you're like, who the fuck is Frenchie Martin? Like, you've never what? seen this yeah, dude. Right, like, right. who is this guy? <laughs> Why like, is he wearing a smock? Yeah. <laughs> what is he doing, drywall after yeah. this or something? <laughs> Uh, so anyway, basically the gimmick with this little segment is is that he would uh, talk to people and then translate the uh, the answers in French, but he'd be like talking shit when he was in French, I right, think. Yeah. And it was stuff like that, uh, similar to, to what Pat Patterson used to do a little bit earlier. Anyway, he then became Dino Bravo's manager, unfortunately, after Johnny Fee uh, split up the new Dream Team. I feel like this is all he did. I'm not all he did. When the best you have is just Dino Bravo. <laughs> That's all he had. And he, did he ever have anyone else after that? No. No, just Dino Bravo. <laughs> just Dino Bravo. Oh my god! Like I'm, you know, it's it's like hitting me in the face now. Like literally, just Dino That's Bravo. That's all he had. Yes, that sir. is awful. So basically, that is freaking bad. <laughs> Here's how the transaction went down. I have to back it up to a little bit earlier in '87, right. okay? Yeah. Just just to lay it out for everyone to see how we Scrum got to this legs, point. Grandmas involved, right? exactly, yeah. right? So the Dream Team had their nightmare at WrestleMania two. We all know that, right? It was a nightmare when they lost the tag titles, and then at WrestleMania three, they're taking on the Rougeos. Hi, how are you? You know the face Rougeos, yeah, right? The the face French people. But for <laughs> yeah, exactly for whatever reason, Johnny V decides I I like Dino Bravo. Qu'est-ce que c'est? So they have Dino Bravo, like, just helping them or something, the Dream Team. He's just there. Like, I, he doesn't even help them the whole match. He just stands there in he, his stupid coat the whole time. <laughs> like, I swear he doesn't do anything other than the, like, part where they're, like, yelling at right. him. Right. Because he sucks. So Beefcake, Beefcake Barber accidentally hits Valentine or something. Yeah. But the Dream Team still wins, as we've always said. It's just yeah, funny that they, they still win. Yeah. yeah. But then they, like, go they and mad. celebrate without Beefcake yeah. Barber. And he gets all sad. Yeah. So then he becomes the Beefcake Barber later. But anyway, so now Dina Bravo and Greg Valentine are a team. But that, who thought that was going to work? I don't know, because... When, that is a horrible team. Right, and the main reason is because when it was the Dream Team, Beefcake sucked, so Valentine did all the work. Yeah, but also... But Bravo other- thought he was good, so they, like, split the work Here's now. the other thing I must say about the Dream Team. I always thought it brought the best out of um, Brutus. Like, I thought he wrestled the best he ever exactly. wrestled. Exactly. Like, because Valentine did all the heavy lifting, but and Brutus made, it, did it, all the good... It, it always seemed like it motivated him. Correct. Though. Like, from in, in, like in a real-life right, perspective. Right. Like, oh, I want to learn from the master here, Correct. right? Like, and he was, like, just a better wrestler for it. Right. But Bravo was already an accomplished wrestler. Accomplished. Uh, well, it, you know, in Canada. Yeah, sure. And he, but he was bulking up during this whole period of time. So when he, he and Valentine never gelled, never really had the same kind of chemistry that the Dream Team did. 
And finally, and mercifully, they put the new dream team out of their misery. Greg Valentine gets the better end of the deal and goes back with Jimmy Hart. Good for him. Whereas, yeah, I know, right? Whereas Dino Bravo now gets shipped off to Frenchie Martin. And that's how we come to this point. And yes, Quinn, that is literally all he did was manage Dino Bravo. Automatically, in my book, you know that's not good. So if you want to get your hands on some Frenchie Martin classics, you can check Royal Rumble 88 with the weightlifting because Frenchie's there for that. (laughs) If I could just, like, convey sight through the mic somehow and just you could see... (laughs) The realization of just how much shit he's involved in. Like, it's fucking insane. Like, the weightlifting thing is literally so bad that that Vince craps on it the rest of the show, but not in, like, his usual, like, he's a heel way. (laughs) He's just like, that was the worst segment I've ever seen. That was boring, Jesse. Yeah, he he, he keeps blaming Jesse. And he shits on it the whole rest of the page. He keeps bringing it up. I know, he's so mad about it. He's like, like, almost like in this, like, regret tone, like, why did I even allow this this? to happen? Like, look at all the massive piles of shit involved in this. Like, you can see uh, Frenchie, if you want, uh, as he manages Dino Bravo taking on Don Morocco at WrestleMania 4. Mm-hmm. You can see Frenchie, if you want, if he, as he manages Dino Bravo taking on Don Morocco at SummerSlam 88. Mm-hmm. You can see Frenchie at Royal Rumble 89 in the opener. And for the last time, you can see him at WrestleMania 5 as Do- uh, Dino Bravo defeats Rugged Ronnie Garvin. And if you need more, you can watch a million Boston Garden shows. Superstars. Or, or Superstars, because Dino Bravo is always on that shit. Challenge. Dino Bravo got... Like, way too much play through all, all this. Like, he, he's on fucking everything. Every pay-per-view, all the syndicated shows, and he had the worst manager for a period of that and time. And he's the worst wrestler on top of it. It's it's all the I don't worst. Know about that. I think it's he's okay. It's all bad. He's okay. It's all horrible. The USA is not okay, according to Frenchie Martin. And let me get started. Don't get me started on that. That is a stupid, like, <laughs> it's not even, like, clever. Yeah, remember like, our big war with Quebec? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is that? That, that one time in the Revolutionary <laughs> War where we, like, lost... The Battle of Quebec, and that's, like, allegedly the reason Canada is not part of the U.S. Yeah. or something. Hey, that's pretty funny, isn't it? You star-spangled bitch cake. Yo, get the fuck out of here and eat some poutine, you maple syrup moose fucker. Oh, that's really fucking funny, Luther Burger. Why don't you go buy some toilet paper? Ha ha ha. Go pop your Don Jerry. I heard you're usually the Mountie, you Tim Horton of shit. Go sick at Winky up your ass, hey. How about you fuck a goalie? Try to have an election without Russian interference. Why wow um erection bow bow? Who the fuck are you? Andre the Giant? Tu es un morceau de merde. You smell like Leonard Cohen's balls. At least you can buy chicken at the grocery store. Hey I know one thing we can agree on. Hogan stayed at Starcade 1997 sucked. Frenchie was very one-dimensional as a manager. His name was fucking Frenchie for crying out loud. You know what I mean? His whole gimmick is that he spoke French. He didn't like America. Guys, he's French. And he waved a stupid flag and he had a stupid sign and he wore a smock. He sucks and he's terrible. He stinks. Mm -hmm. He's not good. He didn't do anything that was good. He never even got involved. Yeah. Right? I don't think he got involved there with his monocle on and doing nothing. (laughs) Just standing there. Waving the flag. Very annoying voice. (laughs) Yeah, he can't even, like, talk. Sounded like Krang from the Turtles cartoon. Turtles. Anyway. Horrible. He's he's a piece. He's a real piece. (laughs) He's a real piece. I don't want to say anything else. He sucks. There's nothing to say. Dino Bravo. (laughs) He matters it all. Dino Bravo and only Dino Bravo. (laughs) And and Harley Race in that one thing. He's like the fucking coach. Basically, like, yeah, you know, longer, much longer, <laughs> like two years, almost and the worst person, like at least coach had Mr. Perfect and a whistle. Yeah, I didn't see no whistle. Listen, if you're going to be a one man guy, like, you know, 
Paul Bear or whatever. Right. Like, yeah. Even Paul Bear isn't a one man guy. He even but, had a few other people. But like, if you are going to be a one man guy, you can't have the worst person <laughs> imaginable as your like one representative. Your one thing to hang your French hat on. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Horrible beret. Yeah, Whatever. so uh, enough of Frenchie Martin. It's ranking time. I'm going to run him down again for you one more time. At number one is Jose Lothario. Two is Oscar. Three is Paul Ellering. Four mm-hmm. is the coach. Five is Sapphire. Six is Arnold Skoland. Seven is Oliver Humperdinck. Eight is Harvey Whippleman. And Quinn, Paul Jones, I think, should go right up against Harvey at the bottom I there. Um, Who's better? I, Paul so, Jones might be better. Um, Is he? Hmm. This is the problem with Paul Jones is that I feel like he's like like we said there he's on the level with a lot of people and Harvey's like one of them and like uh, he's one of those people that I could go either way and Oliver Humperdinck is kind of one he's of them way too better than Oliver Humperdinck you think yes because just what? by virtue of the fact that Oliver Humperdinck managed him well Oliver Humperdinck managed him to and he taught him how to manage see no that's where he learned from. I think Oliver Humperdinck was taking tips from Paul Jones, not the other way around. I think Oliver Humperdinck was taking tips from somebody in some, you know, seedy bar somewhere, yeah. but that's besides the point. I don't know that Paul Jones is worse than Arnold Skolan, though, right? He, like, we can no, definitely agree yet. on that. So I, I actually think... He's got a little personality. I think he's either in between Dink and Whippleman, or he's actually better than Whippleman. One or the other. He is slightly more successful than Whippleman, because at least he managed NWA Tag Team Champions. Right. That's that's the thing is I can't credit Harvey with anything, but okay, Harvey was a manager in a WrestleMania main event. By let's, happenstance, let's though, be fair. But Sid had already turned. He, he's also a doctor. He was. He also um, found Kamala again. He did. He found. He him was again. lost for like four years or something. He also really loved Bertha Fay, right? And he had a tuxedo match against the Fink after feuding for like three years, which is entertaining. And he managed Big Bully Busick. Hey, Big Bully Music, the rare... He had an action figure. He had a mustache. Did he... Did, wait, is that music figure real or no, not? No, it's custom. Uh, I always thought that that was like some secret... No, it's, it's custom. Only, you know why? You know why I think that actually is just because it's always the level of push that I always notice behind music. Like, they were going to do something with him. Yeah, like, you could didn't. Just, you could just tell and that he just was like, fuck this and laughed yeah, or whatever. pretty much, right? Yeah. Uh, as far as success, I got to give Paul Jones this. Mm-hmm. Whether I... I Talking, I'd rather listen to Whippleman because I just think he talks funny. He's got a funny voice, a southern accent. Mm-hmm. He's just whatever. But Paul Jones was at least the focal point of storylines a lot. Right. And, and Whippleman. The, it's one of the problems here is that I think this is just, you know, number nine right here. I know? think he is because. He might be number 10. I think. Depending I, on like what happens. We'll see. Because I think with, with uh, Whippleman. Let's just briefly recap. The Sid thing he was so, like, minor for, because honestly, he was already there. He managed Busick, and then all of a sudden he was managing Sid. Right. Didn't do anything for Sid, right? It was more I mean, of a, Sid's a great talker, so you don't... <laughs> you don't need him, right? <laughs> We're on live, pal. <laughs> uh, and then he managed Kamala, and that sucked. Yeah. It was a storyline, but it sucked, right? And then he managed again, Gonzalez. that was a big freaking thing. And That's the one thing I must say. In the right. early year of Harvey... Let's just give him credit. Yeah. He was involved in, like, main feuds. Well, Undertaker Kamala wasn't main, was it? Um, well, it's like a huge freaking deal at SummerSlam 92. They, like, give it that big, long, with the casket car I thing. I guess it's, like, the number three or four feud, right? Cause it's, you had like, the- really top tier at SummerSlam 92. Bulldog Brett, Savage Warrior. Yeah. What would be the number three? Either the Michaels Martell or the... Probably not even Michaels Martell, right? I think th- this is number three or two, whatever. Not but- two. I don't know. The Undertaker at SummerSlam is like a Savage, huge memorable Savage thing. Warrior. Savage Warrior's one. And Brett and Bulldog. Oh, right. Okay, so number three. Number you three. You think it's I think a it's bigger deal than Martel Michaels? Yes, yeah, I do. you might be right. It's, it's 
the they, they make such a big fucking deal about they this did. Undertaker thing, and then they like, carried it to Survivor Series with right. the coffin. Match. I mean, the Undertaker's entrance alone at SummerSlam is very cool. It is. Uh, what about the uh, the Giant Gonzalez tenure for '93? I mean, I mean, again, unfortunately, was, I hate to say it though, it was like something they were re- really pushing hard. Two pay per view matches out of it, yeah. plus the whole Mr. Hughes intervention in the yeah. summer, right? I just mean to say is that for some reason they had a lot of steam behind Harvey's well people. They also didn't have Bobby managing anymore. Yeah. So they they had a bit of a vacuum. And they didn't have Slick really managing anymore either. Uh, but all, be, after that, he stinks. Oh, yeah. 90, he's, he's very stinky. Adam 90, Bomb, 94, 94 is the downfall. Yeah. A couple of bad acquisitions in right. Quang and Adam Bomb. Well done. Right down the tubes. The best he can do is Bertha. But she's women's champion. I think, <laughs> to be fair. I, I think Harvey's more entertaining. I don't think he's uh, as good, though. I, th- I hate to do this, but I think Paul Jones just stays I, at nine. Yeah, I agree. I, I, don't, I don't. I hate to do it, too, because I don't really love Paul Jones, but. I think he was a little bit more important yeah. and a little more successful. You see, the one thing I could say about Paul Jones is he's very utility. I, I know I keep saying it, but I mean, that's, that's, a good, that's a good feature. No, it's a good is that thing. You can kind of stick him with everybody. Yeah. He's the Randy Velarde, if you will, yeah. of uh, managers. Okay, so French. Let's just do this quick up the Place list piece here. Of garbage. He's worse than Paul Jones. Yes. He is worse than Harvey. Yes. Is he worse than Dink? Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I 100%. Okay. Do you want to put him against uh, Arnold Skoland or is that like a no-brainer? What do you think? Um, I think Arnold Skoland's better than him without even thinking about it. Because Arnold Skoland managed uh, two world champions yeah, and was a face I manager can't. and did what he was supposed to do. I and think Sapphire is where he needs to compete against. Isn't that embarrassing when like you're <laughs> competing against Sapphire? Sapphire is great. Okay. I, I love Sapphire. Let's go ahead and head <laughs> I don't know what it is about Sapphire. She's likable. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's honest and she's humble and she loves but then, Dusty. But also the whole coat in the in the, in the DBS <laughs> situation is just, it's one of the funniest fucking things. Like, honestly, that whole thing thing right so there good, right? is literally one of the best things i've like manager wise that ever like happens I, I love it like it's 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 so funny i'm not like, gonna lie because it's just i know dibiase it's all him yeah but sapphire just with sashaying around in the code yep. is actually like just such a great touch like thinking she's so good yeah all right well let's do this Sapphire was a part of a very fun storyline involving Dusty Rhodes. A major storyline, too. Not like, not just yep. some throwaway thing. Was that maybe the number three or four angle of WrestleMania 6, you think? Because Hogan. Yep. It was one of the top three for all of 90. And it was all a big house show yeah. angle, too. It was everywhere. Hogan Warrior, obviously the biggest thing of WrestleMania 6. Right. Then what? Then. Jake DiBiase. Jake DiBiase was pretty big deal. Tag titles. But even though Jake DiBiase sucked, but yeah, it was horrible. But the angle was hot. The tag titles was a big thing too. So this is like three or four. Bobby and demolition thing, and yeah. But this is up there, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And throughout '90, it was up there. So Sapphire is involved in that. She's likable. She's got the little dance moves. Yeah. She you know, tried. Also, Sapphire is a mainstay on fucking Coliseum video all throughout the '90 oh, yeah. tapes, like With the brother love and all that. I love the whole um the brother love like. And Sherry and Macho Man. Yeah, when Brother Six got the Man shirt. With, with Dusty and <laughs> yeah. Sapphire fighting them. Yep, and Liz is ringside, I think, for yeah, that one. She's not wrestling. No. 
Could um, you imagine if Liz wrestled in that match and no. was, like beating up Brother Love or something? Didn't she wrestle like once in WCW and it was terrible? It was like, in, like it, 2000. It, it's like a horrible angle where Bischoff was like, you're not going to like just do nothing anymore. Like, he, like <laughs> yeah, it was actually really funny because they, they basically, somebody like one of the GMs or whoever the fuck it was it? It might have been Russo. It might have been Russo. Yeah. like, you're okay, not going to do nothing. You're not, not, not going to just stand around like you always do. Like, they said this on Nitro. It's like, you're going to get in the ring, honey, or something. You're you gonna know. get in the ring, honey. I don't care. You're gonna have to wrestle. <laughs> and she came out, and then like Lex Luger had to save her. When Luger, I remember Luger saving her, and you're like, "Yeah, like good, good. Like this is bullshit, Miss Elizabeth. You don't I rough like, her up." I like Luger with her because she like Liz looked happy for the first time in her life. It's true. She looked happy for the first time in like 15 like, years. It's unfortunate that all that shit went I down, know. but like she looked happy with Luger at least, yeah. like motivated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, back to Sapphire. Back to right. Sapphire. Uh, so that's all the stuff she did. She had some cool angles. She was involved in fun stuff. Frenchie Martin wore a smock and a monocle and said, and that's all he did. Dare I say he did less than Sapphire? Yeah, he sucks. Like he's that. I he's worse than Sapphire. He's worse than Sapphire. That's unbelievable. He might be worse than Coach. Uh. Um, No, I think he's worse than Coach. Okay, let's hear why. It's always the Coach thing. Is always was he really that bad? No. Like was he? Did he ever? He didn't do anything. Like not like st- not stayed and did nothing. He, he was literally there like, like once or twice. Was like a fill in. Like very briefly. He essentially was a fill in once. Yeah, he was a stand in for Bobby for like the last month of Mister Perfect's run. Yeah, that's, that's all it, it was. Because Perfect just gets hurt and then there's no more coach anymore. Yeah, thankfully. Well, he did manage the Beverly Brothers for like a minute. But it doesn't. No one cares. Nobody even remembers that. You know what? Frenchie Martin. Okay. Okay. Paul Ellering. Uh, Eller- I hate Paul Ellering a lot. I think and Ellering is uh, better. He needs to go stay in his freaking booth. I think Ellering is better. You don't think? You don't think Frenchie Martin know, is worse than Paul Listen, Ellering? I know it, he's. I he's know still he's, bad. I know he's better. Ugh, fuck. I mean, what are we gonna do, Quinn? I hate Paul Ellering so much. Okay, well, let's talk. Okay, if I but again, USDA organic and all that. I I can't. Let's be rational here. Mm-hmm. Is Frenchie Martin just a good heel, and that's why we don't like him, or is no, he just a just bad like he manager? Contribute like that's the right. problem. He just like, stands around. Yeah, right. It, I mean, really, and where's the blue Dino garbage Bravo bag? On top of all of it, I like Dino. I don't know what the yeah, problem is with that. These guys manage two people I don't like: freaking LOD and Dino Bravo. Like, yeah, it's true. Uh, oh man. Uh, okay. Yeah, he's worse. He's I, worse than Ellering. Ellering right. managed I, I the come, Road Warriors. I've come to my senses. You have to. Okay. Now, but Oscar. Oscar, on the other hand, Oscar's just casually standing here. He's not bugging anybody. Like he doesn't do anything either. He, he is just, literally a do nothing manager. Well, like, he raps. You know what it is about? He does rap poorly. Poorly. <laughs> but he tries. He, see, here's the thing with Oscar. Is I always like felt bad that he's at number two is because. I feel like he's just like a jolly wrestling fan who they're like he maybe he was like a on the side MC at like weddings or something and he like WF like he was he did like a W some wrestlers wedding and they what? were like this is my backstory for okay, Oscar go ahead, sorry and they were like man you're really good Oscar it's like we got this new team men on a mission cool that we're, lied to him we're and doing said that he it. was good Quinn what do you mean good well they 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 liked the work he did maybe it was like a, a wedding up in Stanford Vince was at it. You know, that kind of thing. Sure. And he, and he and they brought in Oscar and he was just, you know, he's just the guy. He's just looking for a job. It's like I, I do some casual rapping on the side. So he comes to the wedding and he, you know, he raps and, you know, it's Connecticut wedding. And why is he just, rapping in a Connecticut they're, they're wedding? Not, they're, they, they don't have a lot of like rappers up there. Right. So Oscar comes along it's and they're Denmark. like, I, I'm just saying because rap was newer back then. Uh huh. 
And so Oscar comes along and they're like, wow, this is so cool. Oscar, <laughs> like, we got this new team and, like, we think you should, like, rap before they come out. And Oscar's like, I fucking love WF. Right. So he's, like, all for it. He's like, throw your heads there. He, like, comes out. That's all he says ever, really. And it lasts really. for, like, a year. And they, they, I can't imagine the conversation where they, like, shattered Oscar's dreams. And they're like, not that they said he was bad. They just said, uh, we don't have a place for you anymore. Yeah, and it, no. it's so depressing. Like, yeah. I, I, and this is, like, back yeah. when Vince was a little nicer. He wasn't, all like, right. the Mr. McMahon character. I have to let you go. Uh, and he's like, Oscar, you've been really good. You've like, been really good rapper. Uh, I like, really like that uh, McHammer. Maybe they, and maybe they and, offered him, like, uh, maybe just like as a, a consolation prize, it's like, uh, like you know, somebody's getting married up in Stanford again. Like, so the way he came in is the way he goes out. So he gets like the one last gig. So Oscar was a wedding MC in your yeah, canon here? I'm thinking maybe that that would work. Does that make him better than Frenchie Martin? Uh, yes. What I, I want to look. I think Oscar's one of the worst managers ever. I don't know if he's better than Frenchie Martin. You know what Oscar's got going for him? What? No Dino Bravo. No, yeah. Quinn, how throw is- your hands in the air. He does more than Frenchie Martin. To be fair, he did excite the crowd. Yeah. You want to do it? <laughs> Fuck it. All right. Now I don't John. think. Frenchie's worse than Jose. You don't? Because they both do nothing. Fred, yeah. it's somehow Jose does less. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. He just like did the one point at WrestleMania 12, and yeah. that was the best thing he ever did. He's basically Stu Jr. And he got hit with a camera. I love that Oscar beat Frenchie Martin. Yeah, I'm fine with I'm it. I'm so happy I mean, about the, that. The Death Valley on this, the top four, is very impressive, yeah. no matter what. You know Holy what I mean? Shit. It's an all-star team of shit. I could keep Jose Lothario at number one because here's why, okay? Here's the only reason why I can do this. Mm-hmm. This is my only rationale. They're both do-nothing managers, right? Right. But a face do-nothing manager is worse than a heel do-nothing manager. Yes. Because at least the heel do-nothing manager, you don't like them. A face do-nothing manager, you're supposed to like them. Right. And I don't. I, I, I think this is accurate. Is I think Jose, Frenchie, Oscar, Paul. That's Ellering. a top four. That's, that's a top four. And yeah. I think that's the right order. Okay. So, as we take our goggles off now and we turn off all the beakers and the, the yeah. things like that. Like they're bubbling or whatever. Shut it yeah. down for the season. Yep. Are we officially ready to get our USDA stamp out? Let's lock this in. All right. Let's stamp it, folks. It is official. The final flush. Let's run it down for you here. At number one, Jose Lothario. Number two, Frenchie Martin. Number three is Oscar. Four is Paul Ellering. Five is Coach. That's still a good mm. spot for him. Six is Sapphire. She moved down a slot. That's I'm nice. Happy yeah. Number seven, Arnold Skull. And eight, Oliver Humperdink. Nine is Harvey Whippleman. Ten is Paul Jones. And just in case now, while we have the festive music playing, if you want to know a couple of people that didn't make it, Sable just missed it. Hmm. Johnny Valiant just missed That's it. A, Johnny V was the one I was like, why is he not on here? Barely missed yeah. it. Sonny Ono, which I wouldn't I have put like him. Sonny I Ono. Know. He's great. Kim Chi. I can see well, that. Well, okay. <laughs> and Mr. Fuji also just missed the flush, which is very uh, funny. Man, one, one of these days is going to be a double. <laughs> it's going to be a double. I'm, remember it was like one vote or something yes. that didn't happen last time? Yep. But folks, that has been the Royal Flush for Season 17. Be sure to let us know what you think. And if you haven't yet, go vote vote on Facebook for next season's rankings and flush for the WWF Tag Champions. But Quinn, when we come back, it's the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. We're reviewing it. Very wrestling. Very wrestling. That is coming up right after this. Hello, wrestling fans. It's Joe here, and I just wanted to take a break to remind you. Let me do that over. That's horrible. Three, two, one. 
three friends of the show. Yes, there are other podcasts out there that are scrapping along. I hit the table. That's right. There are other retro. Nope, they're not all retro. WPAN's not always retro. Well, fuck me. Hello, wrestling fans. It's Joe here. And yes, while we're on a break, I wanted to. Why, yes, yes, Owen, yes. And while we're on a break, yes. Put it on the board, yes. That's right. There are other retro. No, they're not retro, you idiot. And then check out a one-man show. Then check out. Then check out. Then check out me not writing anything down. Then check out. No, I don't like the way I've said that. It's fun. It's quirky. It's unique. Park up. Check out Book in the Territory with Mike Mills as he and his posse. <laughs> Check out Book in the Territory with Mike Mills and his crew as they bring you the bear, the berry. I'm out of here. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Episode number 170. Thank you guys so much. This is the part of the show now where I want to say, first of all, thank you for being with us for another season. Oh, 170 years. Yeah. Um, it's been, <laughs> it's been, been a wild century and more. Yeah, almost almost two centuries we've been doing this now. But and, the, uh, the bicentennial coming up. bicentennial yeah. this year. Um, we want to thank you guys, as always, for being with us. We really, really do. We really mean that we appreciate the support. Those of you that uh, retweet us and comment on the Facebook group and contribute. Those of you that just listen and we might not know who you are and never hear from you. We're just thankful for everyone listening. Thankful for the people that subscribe on Patreon. Mm-hmm. We're thankful to have an audience of people that we can bring this show to every single week. Yeah, it's it's exciting. It's always growing, and it's it's all up to you guys. You know, it really we, is. we really appreciate you guys just listening in every week. And yeah. boy, do we got treats for you next week? We have some yeah. treats. We'll announce it now. We yeah. might as well. So we're going to be off next week, uh, right. which we've been doing uh, for the last few seasons. We I take the a last week off. two seasons, yeah. right? We had Suburban Commando, and during one yeah. break, and we had uh, no. We also had uh, the Slammies of '86. Yeah, okay. We had Richard Land on once. Okay, uh, and this. Season break. We can announce it now officially. Breaking news. Next week, Monday, March 30th, is the 30-year anniversary of a movie called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You might have heard of it. You might have heard of it. And guess what we have for you? We have a review, and that is coming out next Monday, the 30th. The 30-year anniversary, we will be reviewing in full Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. From beginning to end, the That's saga it. of Danny and, yeah. you know, like all of it. It's all there. It's all there, folks. So tell your friends, tell your non-wrestling friends, share it, support OVP as we uh, bring you another movie review. That'll be next Monday, the 30th, when we resume for season 18. Remember, if you want to vote, you have a few days left. So go to Facebook, join the group. Joe Merkel is handling it. If you want to vote in the Royal Rankings and Royal Flush of WWF Tag Team Champions. Yes. You can still do that. You still have time right now. It ends this week. Okay. Merkel's got a uh, a whole, it's a different way of voting. So go look the at form. the thread. Yeah. yeah. So it's a little easier to collect the information. Yep. But if you haven't uh, done that yet, go do that. Go do that uh, if you want to be a part of it. Now, before we get to our review, want to shout out uh, a bunch of friends of the show and mm-hmm. some thank yous here. Uh, we obviously have talked about how the wrestling podcast about nothing no longer is uh, in operation, but thank you as always to Mike Crockett and Brian Malonis yep. for their support. They were part of this season. They were part of the season. Uh, check out Book in the Territory. That's Mike Mills Southern Wrestling, the unprofessional wrestling podcast. Southern Fried. Yep. It's, yeah. it's good for NWA and Smoky Mountain type stuff if mm-hmm. you like that. You can check out Petey Winston's Greetings from Allentown, the one-man show where he goes over an episode of old wrestling, about an hour and 30, hour and 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. Quirky, unique. 
Those are the usuals. Those are the usuals. Other friends of the show would include Mike Pru's Bottom Line cast, which chronicles the career of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yes. Fun time. Our friend Bill Yankovi has a show, That Wrestling Show. You can uh, check that one out. Wrestling Man. The if Wrestling it, if, Man. If you're, if you're confused yes. who Bill Yankovi is. Yes. Uh, an early, early OVP supporter, and we yes. thank you for Thank that, you Bill. so much, Bill. Check out the Chick Foley Show. That's good, because they cover wrestling and the wrestling figure scene. That's Chick Foley Show. And you can also check out the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. That's with uh, Steve and Eric. And they just have a fun, lighthearted show. So those are some friends of the show for the uh, end of season here. Quinn, we're reviewing something. Uh, yeah, we are. Now this. This is interesting. This is something we haven't done before. It's actually a cartoon. No, this is the tradition of the, the finale where we cover something that a wrestler was in, but it wasn't wrestling. Right. So this is the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Yeah. Now, what was that? Okay. It was one of my favorites <sighs> as a kid. Me too. So growing up, this was on TV a lot. And I want to explain it uh, real quick here. Obviously, Mario exploded in popularity in 1985 with the release of Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, you might have heard of that Nintendo. game. It's a, yeah. it's a pretty decent... Bit of a well-known yeah, game. Yeah, decent game. <laughs> a uh, it, it was fairly popular. Right. Maybe not the most pop. No. no. But, yeah. uh, and it had, Now, Mario had been around as a character. He was obviously the protagonist of Donkey Kong, the mm-hmm. antagonist of Donkey Kong Jr. It's like yeah. the rare game where he's I mean, a like bad guy. plumber. Like, didn't he have a different name or something? Jump, Jump Man and yeah. Donkey Kong, briefly. Yeah. Then we have Wrecking Crew and the Mario Brothers game. Just the Mario Brothers. Not Super. Yep. Just regular. And obviously Super Mario Brothers and then Super Mario Brothers 2 in the U.S. really launched this uh, whole franchise into yeah. popularity. And further on, there was 3 and World and, and all the so other on and Mario so forth. Games. Yeah. And in this period of time, in the late 80s, much like we were talking about earlier with uh, Hulk Hogan and WWF being all over the, all over the place... So was Mario. Merchandise, all sorts of things, right? Television shows. Mm -hmm. Kraft Macaroni and Cheese presents Super Mario Brothers. Now, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show was the first series to star Mario and Luigi. And this one was uh, only ran. This is what's crazy about this. This is weird to me. This you were explaining this to me like during the break. This cartoon, as far as new episodes, there were only 52 of them. And they ran every single day, Monday to Friday, from September of 89 to... December of 89. That was it. So, as a kid, I just remember this always being on, like, into the 90s. Oh, yeah, it like, was. this version of yes, it. Yes, it was. So, basically, what they did is they ran it like this in first run. Then they did a, then they did reruns. For a period of time, and I don't know if you've ever seen this, they replaced the live action scenes with something called Club Mario, which is, like, a bunch of kids that, like, what? introduced the cartoons. Welcome to Club Mario once again, dudes. I'm uh, Tommy Treehugger. Peace, love, recycle, man. Just it was crap. Yeah. yeah, and it was very unpopular, so they flipped back to rerunning the live-action Mario and Luigi. Captain Lou and all that. Yes, yeah. correct. So Captain Lou... Uh, who so had, that's our first wrestling yes. connection. Now, he is on this the whole... He's, he was on it, like, from the beginning. He's Mario. Yeah, he so, is Mario. So he has retired from wrestling at this point. He's uh, decided he, to become a plumber in the Bronx. In the Bronx, right. And, and changed he, his name to Mario. He is now Mario. He shaved the beard. Yep. And uh, is Mario. Now, he his co-star was Danny Wells, who was a character actor. Uh, he played Luigi, and then were also the voices for the cartoon version of Mario right, and Luigi. Right. The only time that they were. So this show uh, would be rerun a long time. I remember watching, I think I was watching like 91, 92. I had VHS tapes of it that I literally got from like the Scholastic magazine that they'd <laughs> hand out at school. Like I remember seeing that they had sure. a Mario tape in the like back of the catalog and usually it's like, oh, you got to buy all these books or whatever. But you can buy I was a tape? Like, Mom, like, scroll this book shit. I like, need the we, tape. We need this because it's a <laughs> Mario tape. Right. Very important. 
I remember even that day when they gave us the catalog, I remember all the kids being like, God, oh, the, got the got Mario, the Mario tape, tape on, the, on the last page. You see this? It's not it's not a stupid book. So right. You're like, screw those books. Right, right. You know? So this show would be followed up with The Adventures of Super Mario Brothers 3, which is the second animated show, mm-hmm. just to give you a little rundown here. And that one had a different voice cast for Mario and Luigi and focused on the Super Mario Brothers 3 elements of the game. Yes, and that one, I really liked that I one. I loved 3. The 3 one is so good. Yes. And then even the Mario World one. Yes. Isn't that the... Is that different? That's the next one. Yeah. They're, they're not the same, no, right? No, different series. So okay. that one, after the Super Mario Brothers 3 one ends, they do the, the Captain N and the Super Mario World. Right. And, and now Lou is gone. Oh, like, well, Lou's all, been gone. Yeah. yeah. He, he only did the Both first these, one. Yeah. Uh, and they retained the voice cast from Super Mario 3, but now we have Yoshi, and that was the one for World. And that, that shit was crazy. That ran until 91. I lost my shit when there was Yoshi in the cartoon. Like It I, was like, real cool. There's no way like, right. that would ever happen, because, I mean, they made Mario 1 but then they made Mario three, three, and I'm like, "Come on, they're not really gonna like." It. Oh, and they then did when it. I made it. I was like losing my. I'm like, oh my god, Yoshi! They right. got Yoshi! <laughs> they got Yoshi! Holy shit, Yoshi's in it! Yeah, and it was a pretty successful little franchise there. And they continued on in reruns on the Family Channel for a while until '94, mm-hmm. and briefly a little bit later, I think on USA. The Super Mario Brothers Super Show, and we're gonna get into it, but just to give you a brief rundown, it uses elements from both the first game. And the second game. Right. It's, it's a mix. It's weird because there's like Birdo, but then there's just like King Koopa and Koopa. shit. Like, and he's not even into. No, he's not into. There's no wart, though. In yeah. The, in this, but Thank Koopa, God. He stinks. There's like, yeah, he's, he stinks. Birdo's fine. Like, Birdo's I, just, fine. I just never like the, the main bad guy in two. He stinks. Mauser is in uh, the cartoon. Yeah. Uh, there's, you know, some of the enemies from two are in the cartoon. And the cast is like the Super Mario 2 cast because it's Princess Toad, Mario, and Luigi right. are the main four. You know what's kind of weird about the cartoons having two in it, if what's you really that? think about it? What? If two's all a dream, how are they, like, there? How are these characters, like, in... Well, you know what I mean? maybe Mario uh, had Spoilers, the dream. Spoilers, two is a dream if you haven't been <laughs> two. This came out in, like, 1988, so... <laughs> yeah, just sorry if we spoiled anything Like, there. everything's a dream in that game. He just, like, wakes up, and it's like, oh... Well, maybe this was real, and then Mario had a dream about it. Ah! Uh, okay. But anyway, yeah, so this is a little bit of an amalgamation of one and two in terms of the, the animated portions. Now, there's also a live-action segment, which is very hokey and very stupid. And that brings us to why we're doing this one, right? So, yeah, so you're going to see a special game guest we'll 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 get to it in a second here that's a wrestler uh, definitely a wrestler and this show was known for special guests they had a lot of different people on it and it was uh, just very dumpy and stupid but it's very it's very fun also so this is super mario brothers super show quinn let's get right into it here now you had a gripe so so here's my first gripe no fhe opening family home logo so family home entertainment was this like on the tape on the scholastic table i watched they like sent it out or whatever and it had this logo that this was on like every freaking tape yeah. like I had a lot of tapes with this logo and it just I always remember the noise will it make you feel better if we hear it right yeah, now Yeah, let's just can we please because yes. also you know people who have old VHS they might be like what the fuck Mario yeah. with no FHE okay. logo so for all of you fans out there of FHE here you go uh, <sighs> all the shitty wobbly quality and everything <laughs> I thought it was part of it in my opinion it might be so good. There you go. Family Home Entertainment. Okay, so it's a Super Mario Brothers Super Show. And of course, we get the Hey Paisanos, you know, the memorable yeah. intro where the Mario Brothers are dancing into the frame. Hey, Paisanos, it's the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. 
interspersed with the animated clips and everything. I love this as a kid. I knew all the words. <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely classic. Luigi and Captain Lewis dancing all shitty yeah, clips all of the dumpy. cartoon. <laughs> and you're hooked on the brothers. You'll be hooked on the brothers. That's what they the say. Brothers. The brothers. The brothers. The brothers. A gripe I've always had, though, and I need to point uh-huh. this out now, and I need to get it out of my system. Why are their blue shirts so light? Why yes, can't they make them? I hate that too. I didn't note it, but it's something that's always annoyed me. And they're too like they look like they're pressed. Yeah, like it's like they're they're junky plumbers. Like why do they have like right. why do they iron their shirts? They should have the dark blue shirt. Yeah. Why did they not do that? I don't know. It I, you always know bothered Honestly, me. I feel like they filmed all those segments in like one sitting because they're all like less than fifteen minutes so for like short. an episode. But they should have just had darker blue shirts. But anyway, Quinn. Yes, I love this show. You're in for a treat, so hang on to your seat. Yeah, like these these words. So good. Yeah. Uh, so we fade into the Mario Brothers uh, apartment or plumber's lair or whatever it is. Yeah, where the fuck do they live? <laughs> like they say they mention the Bronx, but, but like they uh, they live in Brooklyn, I think actually. But what weird. is is this their house and where they work, right? So why this is always weird to me is like, well, if they're a plumbing shop, right? Yeah. Like, why are they not on the first floor, like, getting business? <laughs> they're in a like, basement. Yeah, it's like, you have to, who would want to go to the stinky basement <laughs> yeah. to, like, hire a plumber? And, like, their thing, that's like, there's so much crap around, it looks like Sanford and Son, I'm not yeah. kidding. Like, <laughs> and, and they also, like, I guess, live there? Yeah, like, they live there also. So, so here's where I'm confused. Is this their, like, apartment? Or, yes. Or is, like, is the upstairs their shop? No, it's all, it's all one thing. Oh, it's all combined. <laughs> they do everything it's like there. like a couch in the back and <laughs> yeah, stuff. Like, but, it's, like, weird. But there's a bunch of tools. Anyway. But the kitchen in the back, Yeah, it, that's a one-stop shop. Luigi's at the slop sink tossing some crap around, and he says that Rowdy Roddy Piper is going to be here there any minute. He asks Mario for a hand. Oh, no, what am I going to do? Rowdy Roddy Piper, that mean and huge wrestler, is going to be here any minute. Could you give me a little hand here, Mario? He's all nervous, and I would be too if Piper's kind of. He's freaking nuts. Yeah, you don't know like, what he's gonna do. In real life, he's crazy. I'm gonna come in. I'm gonna throw everything and, down. I'm gonna uh, spill all your things on the floor. Uh, peanut butter jelly sandwich. <laughs> you know, like you that. Peanut butter on jelly sandwich. Make sure you put the peanut butter on top, at the bottom. Uh, Mario's vacuuming. Luigi's all nervous though, especially because I guess Rowdy Piper left his bagpipes there to be fixed. He, he left his bagpipes here for me to fix them. I, I can't find them anywhere. Hey, you meatball, we're plumbers. We don't fix bagpipes. Yeah, I know that, and you know that, but I wasn't going to tell Rowdy Roddy Piper that. This is so cheesy. It's so cheesy. <laughs> it's really dumb. Yeah. So the doorbell rings, and Mario heads up the stairs there to answer the door, and uh, he opens the door, and Mario's like, it's not Rowdy Piper, it's some hairy lady with a plaster dress. Cueing the laughter or whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing. Can we just comment on that now that the, the first... Laughter. The, the, it was always weird to me that they, like, treated this segment like it's a sitcom, yeah. and then, like, it's just not that when they it's get to the a, cartoon. It's just a kid's cartoon like, after that. You'd think they would keep the consistency, though, and put the laughter also in the cartoon, because sometimes they would do that well, like on cartoons. 1960s Flintstones or something yeah, like that? Yeah, just so that like, it's, it's not weird that it just drops out like when they get to the cartoon yeah, portion. Really? Yeah, you know? So, uh, of course, it is Piper, 1989 version, you know, the longer hair, mm-hmm. and he wants his damn bagpipes, and Mario's like, hey, you better not wear a skirt in the streets of Brooklyn, so Roddy just, like, hisses at him. But I'll tell you the truth, I wouldn't wear a skirt, uh, especially uh, in the streets of Brooklyn. <laughs> Piper says, I want my antique family heirloom bagpipes in like a weird voice which is weird even for him i want my antique family heirloom bagpipes why is 
Piper all mean? He's not even a heel anymore at this yeah. point. Like, <laughs> yeah, what's well, what so is this? Why, why are we getting the 1985 Piper? I don't know. You know, is he, have you noticed that? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Luigi now finally realizes, yes, this vacuum that he's been using. Ha ha, it's bagpipes. And you by the get way, it? Now, the, he realizes this. You realize it like the second, like yeah. even before Piper walked yeah, in. Yeah, you door. realize like, it. But... Like it's so stupid. Like yeah. why does it take that long? <laughs> I don't know. And Roddy's like, are those my bagpipes? <laughs> we just like, no, sir, big angry person. Uh, they're imported Scottish vacuum from the McBronx vacuum. <laughs> and that was uh, the McBronx that really that... actually made me laugh. Yeah. That's really good. <laughs> so Luigi turns on the vacuum bagpipes. Of course, they play noise. And then. <laughs> in a weird like in a weird twist of fate yeah. here the smoke blows in Piper's face it's a tie-in to WrestleMania 5 it's 1989 I mean yeah there you go so we go to break and now we have a weird suburban commercial for Nerf Blastaball the fuck is this even Nerf like it's just like that's like yeah. you can get that thing as a dollar store what is that it's this- just like a tube that you know it's a pressure you're basically like releasing the pressure you pull a thing at the bottom of all these little balls the air gets sucked in and then you push out and because it's a tube it pops i don't remember this one do you i remember like the knockoffs of this i don't remember there being like an official this was literally something you got at the dollar store was it really yeah it's like garbage mccrory's or something like that (laughs) yeah there was no dollar store so yeah like mccrory's (laughs) mccrory's there's a there's a reference for you speaking in 1989 i don't even know if that's outside of jersey i think so i think Uh, it was a chain that place sucked it smelled like (laughs) shit i know it was terrible i used to buy crickets for my like chameleon thing to eat from that place because but i mean like that place was like the smelliest it shit damp it was always like you felt like you might have gotten a sick or something from from it was crap on the floor like paddles it's like the shit from like the side was always like falling yes, off the shelf it's real there's like fucking basketballs everywhere like yeah. you know what i mean and they smell funny yeah uh next up we see a bunch of men with mustaches and some handsome women that apparently use calban 3000 to lose a bunch of weight this just seems like such a lie like only in the 80s right Cal-Ban. they're like take a pill and they even say something to the effect of like doctors think this is how it works and then they show like a chart scientists believe calban bonds with food and blocks the absorption of calories that's literally the right doctors think that this is why real reassuring right yeah and also calban that sounds like a saturday night live parody commercial name like it's amazingly like like it's amazing how fake it looks yeah, right really like, it's a tube of pills that's all yeah. it is so we see a quote-unquote miss world model deanna hall that is miss world model even a thing I don't know. there's no way only in the 80s yeah she says she lost a bunch of weight she also got a horrible haircut out of it <laughs> she had horrible haircut when she was in the pageant not, <laughs> like now she looks like regular like, also why is this so long <laughs> yeah, it's like two minutes it's ridiculous and then we see a helpful diagram of the stomach to allegedly show how this shit works oh now i get it yeah, yeah. there's the stomach it that's goes into I mean. your that's stomach that's when they're like yeah. doctor's think that this might be how it works like that they say this and then in the embarrassing they're like hey if you don't lose weight in 30 days just return the empty container for a full refund so i have a tip dump out the container into another one and send it back and be like oh it didn't work why would you say empty container that means they used it well that's what it is they're like saying like if you took this and it didn't work just send back your empty container so many yeah yeah but just Just put it in yeah put it in a plastic baggie or something yeah but anyway if you want this you can call 1-800-638-1500 three week supply is 1995 good lord a six week supply is 3895 by the way this is a okay this is a weird detail here so cod's are allowed however if you use a credit card 
there will be no fees on the COD. Uh-huh, so okay. this is like a nice half step, little halfway when point. They're like right? Converting people out of the COD shit. Right? <laughs> they're trying to transition you out of COD. They're like, hey, if you use the credit card, you don't have to pay this the guy when he like brings <laughs> right. it. Like, you know, the nineties are upon us soon. Yeah. You know what I mean? No more CODs. You also will get if you get the six week supply. This, how is there more stuff? And what this is? This is the worst fucking one. <laughs> a free strand of Chinese faux pearls. Like, isn't that what the guy in Home Alone Two sells Kevin on the street? What this, is this? This confused me too because, like, okay, they showed a guy wanted the pills too, right? Oh, fat men. This reminds me of like the McDonald's in the eighties and nineties yeah. when they would have a boys' version of the toy and the girls' right. version of the toy. But yeah. this is like they're only giving you the girls' thing. Yeah, what man wants? Like, oh, maybe for its for his wife yeah but what if he wants just what if he's a single guy right he doesn't have a girlfriend he can woo he can woo someone oh he can give the chinese faux pearl i guess (laughs) who doesn't want to get a a girlfriend pearl necklace get a girlfriend out of the pills also because he can give her a chinese faux pearl hey baby have you heard of calban i mean imagine showing up to the bars in the 80s with chinese faux pearls and you're like the ladies like they're like wow Wow. pearls it's like you you wink at the camera like they're chinese faux why is there a camera in the bar Obviously, they have to track <laughs> did the faux pearls work. So, in case okay. they need to switch the free gift. Oh, you know, right, right. Like, yeah. yeah. So, it's like kind of like the Nielsen ratings for pearls. Right. I mean, how many guys are really just going to buy the, the weight pills anyway? They probably don't have to send too many hidden cameras out, you know? Good point. Back to the action here as we now get the intro for the animated version, you know, Quinn. Yeah, you hooked on the brothers. Fuck off, Koopa. You, you know, like all that shit. Like, it's like they're like plunging yeah, the they get sink sucked and they, down the drain. And they, and the drain. And that's how, that's obviously how you go to Toad World or whatever. <laughs> Mushroom Kingdom. Mushroom Kingdom, yeah. So this episode is called Crocodile Mario, which was written by David Schwartz, if you care. And it's Plumber's Log 3312. What, Star Trek? That's what they always yeah, did, remember? It's very weird. Plumber's Log number 3312. So Mario, Luigi, Toad, and Princess are searching for a magic statue uh, that would help protect their kingdom. And by the way, we're like in the Down Under or something. Yeah, we're in Kanga Land, <laughs> Kangaroo Land. I, I don't remember this one in the game. <laughs> no, this it's is not, not even in it. Australian theme. I'd... Wasn't there a kangaroo suit? No, no, there was like a suit that the frog suit jumped like a yes, kangaroo. That's what I'm thinking of in Mario 3. But that's Mario 3. This is not even that. Not even out yet. The problem here, the whole thing, the whole issue is that there's this statue that's being taken by Koopa, who is dressed like Outback Jack. Out of my way. The statue is mine. He's being such a fuck. And by the way, <laughs> King Koopa, yes. not Bowser. Right, like, in, the sh- in this show. People always seem to correct me when I say uh, his name was King Koopa. Like, why in the cartoon you- it was. But I called them that when I played the video game. Well, like, you're wrong. And they, they, didn't Toad say, like, Koopa? Or they always call him Koopa in this. Are you sure that he wasn't called Koopa in the American version of Mario 1? He's called Bowser in the instruction manual, and then by the time he hits the screen, he's called Bowser always. What? He's Bowser in the U.S. Bowser, the king of the Koopas. What is this, Mandela effect? Like, I... He's called tell, Koopa in the cartoon. Ogden, Utah, if you thought it was King Koopa, like, until they, like, changed it in World or whatever. Right, right. No, it's, you can ask. Yeah. Uh, one of the things about Koopa, he's dressed like Outback Jack, he tended to dress up and assume a different persona in every cartoon. Yeah, he's being such a fuck He's so like, fucky. Yeah, he's like... Oh, God. I hated this suit thing. Remember <laughs> the one when they, like, go to the baby thing and he's, like, dressed like a baby? Yeah, it's like, real. That shit is weird. <laughs> so, anyway, some Australian toad says, aye, aye, it's kind of Koopa. Stop him, mate. I, I hate this guy the whole time. <laughs> Sucks. It's like, why is there a... Wait, I, and here's the other thing. is I thought in the Mushroom Kingdom, like, 
they were the only Toad Kingdom? Why is like the it's, affiliate stuff it's like their- why, why are they also like toads? Because <laughs> the they like show like a village. There's like a toad woman with her toad baby. It's like, real. You know, like I just don't down under. I thought that the Mushroom Kingdom only that the toads only lived there, and there was like different people. Why is everyone friends. just not like a kangaroo or something? I'm sorry, this is the way it is, Quinn. <sighs> okay. So Koopa hoists the statue on his shoulders and he runs away. Mario makes like awful jokes. Horrible. Awful. I was hoping we'd have lunch, not the lunch. Meanwhile, crocodiles wander in, and Aussie Toad says, It's not a good day, mate. It's such a stereotype. One of the crocs approaches Toad, but Mario makes the save. He rides the croc for a while, kick off by the crocodile. Luigi then busts out a plunger to no avail, so Mario takes out his own plunger, jams the plunger right into the croc's jaws, and the croc runs away. And then another one runs in and chases off Toad and Princess, so Aussie Toad leads... Toad and Princess to the general store, of course, on the roof where mm-hmm. everyone up there is looking on, all the town folk and now, everything. Now, get the Mario 2 underground yes, music, that's right. but like, it's like a re- everything's a remix of yeah, like the, the regular video the game regular songs. songs, but it's weird because some of them are Mario 2, some of them are the like Mario game. 1, yep. even the enemies are mixed up, like, yep. it's very strange. Like we were saying, it's yeah. an amalgamation here. Uh, now a swarm of crocs you know, they just start chewing on the building, and now the general store building is starting to crumble. It's um, crumbling. Like, what? Yeah, that's not how this... They're going to eat the building until yeah. it falls over. That's what their plan is. Is that crocodiles. what crocodiles do in real life? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, don't go on a building, you know, because they'll eat it. Princess yells to Mario and Luigi, who are still down on the street. She wants but, them to get the statue back. Can I mention just... Yes. You, you say she wants them to get the statue back. Can I mention the whole fucking time? The princess is, like, aggravating during the show. She's always because, bad in this. Because she's always like, don't worry, Mario will do it. <laughs> like, it's like, we got Mario. Wink, wink. <laughs> nudge, nudge. Like, yeah, dude. Yeah, you know. Toad. Like, they're so, like... Their confidence in Mario is like it's, ridiculous. It's unnecessary. Yeah, it's, and it's just so annoying how they just like they and they tell all the village people it's like, don't worry, they got it. They're like, on Brutus beefcake levels of like ass sniffing. Oh, they are <laughs> ass sniffers to the extreme. Seriously. Here. Especially Princess is like way more aggravating. Toad's like sometimes, but like Princess really is just Too like much. He's the best. Like, don't worry about anything. <laughs> Mario! Luigi! You've gotta get back that magic stack! We heard you, princess! So the NWO Crocs now approaches Mario is like, hey, Luigi, piggyback! And then they use a plunger to uh, stomp on each crocodile and get the hell out of there. Yeah, remember that in the game? Oh, yeah. Remember My favorite level. do that? Yeah. yeah. Like, you go on the plunger, Luigi's on your back. On the crocodiles. Yeah. Common enemy in the Mario series. Yes, very common. <laughs> so Mario and Luigi now hop onto a log raft. They ride down the river. Of course, Luigi is all scared. <gasps> what a wuss. And you know, I never like this... By the way, because they had a decision to make when they made Luigi, yeah, about like is he uh like is he like Mario? Like he could have been just like because in Mario one, there's no personality, right? No, not at all. But then they decide, I and I don't know why this always aggravated me, but like Nintendo decided like he's a scaredy cat character for a long time. Like, yeah, they even made that like later on, much later, they really fleshed out that he's just a wimp in Luigi's Mansion. Mansion yep. Like it's like ugh, like I just never <laughs> like that. Oh no, what do we got to do? And yeah. then like the Super Mario 3 cartoon is like, (laughs) he just gets worse. I can't believe they made an explicit game just to like, I still can't believe Luigi's Mansion exists just so that like now he's like extra wimpy. It's basically Luigi's a puss the game. Yeah, essentially. It's crazy, Uh, right? Yeah. 
So now the kangaroo birdos, yes, that's real. They now attack with eggs. <laughs> birdos in Australian hats. It's, it's real. <laughs> this this shit is fucking unbelievable. And might I add the little like I wanted to put this in here. Not only do they, have, not only are they birdos with, with kangaroo eggs, yep. hats shooting eggs, right? That's pretty normal birdo, other than the hat, right? Yeah. <laughs> but they add this stupid detail that all the birdos have pouches with baby with birdos, baby birdos also shooting eggs. It's good. Like, what a weird additional thing, right? They like, put some thought into it, yeah, right? It's, they just, did. it's just a strange detail because usually this shit's cheap and they, like, barely animate anything. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that somebody went through the trouble of making, like, a special birdo with a pouch of a tiny birdo. And a hat, don't worry. Yeah, also a hat. Yeah, the hat. It's fucking unbelievable. Uh, Mario, of course, says, Jump in gelato! Please stop. I hate that with I, all the Italian I, food references. So bad. Uh, thankfully, the plungers also double as oars and they're able to quickly escape with the raft. But Koopa notices this and he calls the Mario Brothers faucet wops what? because 1989. <sighs> I never thought those faucet wops would pick up my trail. The brothers now float into the rapids, prompting a weeping lasagna from uh, Luigi. It's those rapids we have to worry about. Weeping lasagna! Back to the general store where the Crocs are still eating the building. Damn, it's taking like a long time. <laughs> they have like this all this time to go on adventure down the rapids. It's like the Crocs are like, like just really slow. Yeah, it's horrible. And now two of the Crocs have helpfully started preparing a barbecue. <laughs> they know how to barbecue? <laughs> what? I like that that's a legitimate question, though. Yeah. We, of course, get a shrimp on the Barbie reference. Oh, my goodness. It's more like Outback Steakhouse Zone or whatever. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Ridiculous. Uh, back to the brothers now who are on a collision course with a giant rock in the rapids here. Meanwhile, Koopa's just over there watching them making wise owl remarks. Shitty jokes, like celebrating like a fuck. He thinks like, he's, he's so, so good. It's like, I got him now. Like, uh, he's yeah, horrible. Terrible. Uh, we go to break and we get a record breakers race car commercial. Now, I swear this is Omar Gooding, like, but like as younger, like one year before I Wild and Crazy. No, do you think it's Omar Gooding? I mean, possibly notice that because if he he was a young man, he's in that age group where like you know your looks and feel you, you change as you get older really quick, right? Mm. So he's got more of a baby face. Yes, and that's why I thought maybe it's him. You know, you know, for a retro wrestling podcast. We sure have talked about Omar Gooding quite a bit over and the Donnie history Jericho. of her. Yeah. Well, they're they're fixtures and also like the, the redhead girl Jessica. and then they like switched her with like Stacy or yeah, whoever that whatever was. Whatever yeah. it was. Uh, then we get a little Miss Makeup doll commercial. I have really nothing to add to this. You can buy additional shit too for like <laughs> hair and clothes. Yeah, like true. extra equipment here extra for <laughs> For little Miss Makeup. Uh, now Sergeant Slaughter comes in to yell over a G.I. Joe Raiders vehicle commercial. Planes, tanks. Slaughter really like digs this shit. And, and there's like crappy rock music yeah, playing. I it's noticed like, that too. G.I. Joe! <laughs> hell yeah! Like hair metal. G.I. Like, Joe, hell yeah. It's just like America! It is though. It's like hair metal G.I. Joe shit. Yeah. Nobody beats G.I. Joe! G.I. Joe Raiders! But those snakes are striking back with a Cobra Tondor G-25! Next, we get an odd commercial for a clothesline or close time. Close time, I think. Close time pre-Christmas sale. And it's just women, like, dancing around in 80s, like, very 80s. It's very like, 80s, all folks. The, like, all the stuff, you know, like, the suspenders with oh, the God. thing. <laughs> and, you know, like, every anything that you would think was on, like, In Living Color. Or like, Lisa that, Turtle. Yeah, like, <laughs> seriously. Like, all that shit. Uh, another Record Breakers commercial, this time for cars that actually go in the street. And now... 
a Crossfire commercial with kids dressed like Rambo, but sadly, it's not the classic song. Yeah, so, they, yeah, again, this is like, it's an alternate song, and it's like more festive yeah. and like less apocalyptic. Right. And there's no kid in the leather jacket, like, spinning away. It's very disappointing, and it's no wonder they, like, change it, because this right. stinks. Compared, it's, like, it's too happy. It's like, Crossfire is good. It's like, really good like, to it's play all, with your friend. It's not, but we're even, I think we're veering too much towards the Crossfire, like, Crossfire! But, yeah, like, oh, you him! Yeah, this is more like, it's a really good game and you have some fun, like it. And like, then you have some milk after you play. Yeah, right, like, yeah it's, not, <laughs> it's not like this, like, Mad Max situation. Right, no, like, the first classic one, it's like, your life fucking depends on Crossfire. Dude, if somebody will die. There's fire and stuff. These kids are just like in the desert more so. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, let's play. But like, no, the real Crossfire commercial, your shit can get fucked up. Yeah, the kids are all sweaty only in this (laughs) one. It's only sweat is the problem in this one. Not not the fire bully or whatever. (laughs) Fire bully. Uh, We go back to the show now, Quinn. We're back, Paisanos, or whatever they say. (laughs) And the brothers are still headed for that giant rock here in the rapids. Yeah, they're basically fucked, by the way, and a concerned look on the face of the (laughs) big puss. Big puss. What are we gonna do, do, Mario? (laughs) Girls! Yeah, seriously, he's, he's, he's that. He's that. So Mario decides to bend his plunger into a boomerang, because that's how wood works, mm-hmm. uh, and is able to ret- somehow get the boomerang to retrieve a giant rope for them to swing off of and onto dry land, which causes Luigi to now make a swinger reference to Mario. And I hate this. <laughs> oh, you know, Mario, it, I didn't know you were such a swinger. You know what I hate about this is like Everything. when they get off of it, of course the thing crashes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it, why didn't it crash? They were going down the rapids like fucking forever. Like, why the moment they get off, it's like... Psh- like the whole like the whole raft breaks. Well, they got off just in the nick of time, Quinn. Obviously, how did they know that that was going to happen? Science. Because why would you ever get off the rev? Why wouldn't you just ride it to the end? Because then you'd fall into the rock and get dead. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't like this logic here. It's really pushing reality yeah. for you. Yeah, it's, it's sorry, a reality Quinn. based cartoon. So. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the general store now, where the Crocs are still eating that garage or whatever. Yeah. And <laughs> Aussie Toad. He's like, oh, we all got the Kyle ground, mate. And then we go up into a tree. This is horrible. And Toad, who is an aggravating little shit in this entire series. <laughs> yeah, he really he's is. like, sorry, dude. We gotta <sighs> borrow your tree for a while. <laughs> we better head for higher ground, mate. Oh, sorry, dude. We gotta borrow your tree for a while. Ugh. He's so annoying. It's so bad. Toad why is horrible. Why does he have to say dude? Like, why? <laughs> he always does. It's horrible. <laughs> he says dude all the time. I hate it. And the crocs are just like, you know what? Fuck you. We're going to eat the tree yeah, instead. Yeah, they just move. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're just like, well, we'll go over here now. <laughs> so they start eating it's the like tree. It's like taking them longer, though, because like the tree is really thick. Yeah, the very yeah. trunk. Yeah. Eddie trunk. So mm-hmm. <laughs> meanwhile, the brothers are wandering around. They seem to have lost Koopa's trail. And just then, a shit ton of crocs run through them, but they don't notice Mario and Luigi. Man, we're really running out of shit to throw at them, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, repeating the crocs? Yeah, how many crocs? So once they leave, Mario realizes the crocs are running from Koopa, because Koopa has the magic statue that stares the crocodiles away. And also, can I note that yeah. this crocs running by thing? Yeah. That was, like, really long for a children's <laughs> yeah. card. It was, like, over 45 seconds. Yeah. Just them, like, storming by. And it, was, it was just just the noise of them. <laughs> like, no music. It was, like, very awkward. It was, like, the rest hold of this cartoon. Yeah, you know very, what I mean? I just thought it was, like, way too way long too for, long. like, a thing that has to be, like, this happens and that happens. Like, Attention it was spans, very man. Very odd. I know. 
Uh, we see a shot of uh, Koopa sleeping in like a tree cave. I don't know. It looks like a tree, but it also is a cave. I, yeah. This was very, like, where are they? I don't know. Uh, but he's sleeping on the statue. Mario's able to grab it. But of course, Luigi trips like an asshole and wakes Koopa up. What an idiot. I know. By the way, they, like, they very easily stole this shit once yeah. they knew. Like, and, and if only Luigi wasn't a fuck, like, they would have been fine. I swear he's like Paul from the Wonder Years sometimes. He really is. <laughs> he is Paul. Paul, it's always like they, they, they got the easy way out, right? And Paul, like, sneezes yeah. or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, no, Kev, we can't do this. <laughs> you know? It's like, we got to steal, uh. the, we got to get back my uh, Jets coat from Mr. Carruthers or some shit. And they're like, get, they're about to get it. And it's like, achoo! Like, you know, like that shit. Who's Mr. Carruthers? I don't know. I'm just making up some teacher. Okay. Maybe uh, the, the teacher that got pregnant and then Kevin helped give birth. Don't or, remember that, that whole thing? Isn't that Saved by the Bell also? No, it's something yeah, else. That happened in a lot of 80s. That did happen. It's a trope, Zach, yeah. Um, Mr. Belding's wife. Mr. Belding's, or is it like niece or something? No, wife. Okay, Mr. Belding's wife. And Tori's in that one? Yeah. It's a Tori episode. It's a Tori episode? Yeah. Okay. Koopa gives chase now and says to give it back. It's his. I stole it myself. Mario tosses the statue to Luigi, who tosses it back to Mario in some bizarre game of Cooper in the middle, Mario That's what says. They say. He does. It's real. I just love playing Cooper in the middle. They run back into the town now where the Crocs all get all scared because they have the statue. Crocs walk away. I like the music at least. Yeah, it sounds more like Ghostbusters. Yeah. The, the cartoon, I mean. Yeah, like, right. it's very weird. It's not a Mario song. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the Crocs are still eating the tree. So Mario is able to toss the statue all the way up to the princess who just like calmly leaps down with like her floaty motion like in Super yeah. Mario well, 2. At least they had that. Continuity. Like, remember the dress makes her float yeah, or something. Float. That's at least my brain no, physics of it. That's what it is. Yeah. That's the okay. facts. That's how Mario physics, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. She then puts the statue back where it belongs and then kisses it and then the statue's face lights up. It's magic. What? what? So this, the, okay, can I just a question here? Please. Why does she have to kiss it in this case if the Crocs were already running know. from it? I don't know. Before I like, thought of the same thing. Yeah, cause the other thing about this is because like when they bring the thing in town, they already start running. So why Correct. do they even need to put it on that perch thing? I don't know. Wherever they're standing, they could have just kept. It didn't need to be like on that thing. That's where it belongs. And then I like guess. even the the statue, it like blushes or something. Yes, because Princess kissed it. Horrible. It's a cartoon. Uh, I don't get you it. You don't like this non-reality based cartoon, do you? No, I just <laughs> I just don't like unnecessary things that like are not part of it. Good point. Uh, the Crocs run away. Mario and Luigi are right in their paths, uh, paths though. So Toad is, however, able to throw a lasso to the brothers, and they swing away. That's our second I just swing. Think that it's more like you're hitting the the rope in Final Fantasy, which makes you escape the dungeon. Yeah, there like, you that's go. That's all this is. That's all it is. Now the Crocs are all headed towards Koopa. <laughs> who walks away really stupidly while everyone's laughing at him. It's time to poop out of here fast! Uh, Australian Toad says, that's been a good day, as Mario suggests throwing a pizza on the Barbie. And that's it for the cartoon. Very, very underwhelming. <laughs> and it just, like, ends there. It's like, oh, pizza on the Barbie. It's like, bye. <laughs> it's no real. more cartoon now. Uh, we go back to Roddy Piper, who's washing his face in the slop sink while Mario and Luigi are desperately trying to fix the bagpipe still. Piper can't really see because of the smoke that blew in his face. Yeah, they do this whole bit. Yeah, it's a bit. Uh, so Mario, or excuse me, so Luigi tells Mario to find some bagpipe music on cassette. So Mario is like rifling through all these cassettes yeah, on the to, table. Yeah, like, placate him or something. Yeah. Even though he can't do anything <laughs> right. he can't see. And uh, Mario's like, oh, all I can find is organ music. And Piper hears it, and he's like, that's beautiful. They sound beautiful. But he can't see, like we said, because of the smoke in his face. Got his hands all yep. over the place. He's, he's like, I need a towel. 
towel or so, something. So we, everyone's fumbling for a towel now. Who wrote this crap? Uh, David like, Schwartz. This is, uh, no, he wrote the cartoon. He didn't oh, write yeah, this right. part. Yeah, who wrote this part? You're yeah. right. Uh, so Mario gives Piper intentionally here. See, a dirty ass rag, oh, you okay. see? I think I didn't even realize that. That way he can't really see. Ouija mind now tinkering away, tinkering away with their plungers on the bagpipes. Ha ha. Piper wipes his eyes finally, though, and he can see, and he gets all huffy, and all he does is make weird faces. It's awful. He's got, like, dirt on his face or something. Yes. It's, it's really just, it looks like the ump stuff <laughs> that you put on your face. Yeah. You know? The eye black, you mean? Yeah. Now we cut to Piper standing next to Luigi, all mad while Mario is throwing to previews for the next Legend of Zelda cartoon. The rare. Like, <laughs> I could never catch the Zelda cartoon. All I knew is like, man, like, excuse me, me from like YouTube or yeah, whatever. Early like, YouTube. This, watching as a kid, I think I saw it once ever, and I was like, I, it was like finding a buried treasure well, or something because like this was so hard to find because it was like on once or twice ever. Well, I'll tell you all about it, okay? So they would do these previews Monday through Thursday, and then Friday they would run the full episode. So on Fridays, instead of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show cartoon, you'd have the live action still, but then the whole cartoon would be Zelda. And as a kid, I wanted no part of the Zelda, so I never Wait, watched them. I see. I, like I love Zelda so ah, much, though. I didn't like it. I was a huge Zelda fan Stunk. growing up. I was like, this is boring. Where's the Mario? Where's yeah. the Luigi? Yeah, but I mean, like, you get that all week. I want the Zelda. I didn't want the Zelda. I want to know what Link's up to. Who cares? I was also like, you know what I always thought was weird about all of this? What? It's like the three pillars of Nintendo are Mario, Zelda, and Metroid. Yeah. Why was there no Metroid? Like, they just only did Zelda? Didn't they have a cartoon on the Captain N show or something? Like, weren't they think, featured earlier? I think, like, Kid Samus, Icarus? like, appeared or something Yeah, once, there was something but, like, with Samus. They, it was like... They didn't have a dedicated cart, and Samus is like the coolest one if you think about it. Like yeah. she's got like a helmet she's and cool. a, uh, like a gun on her hand. Like, it, like why is that not like you think they would focus on that first? Mario has a plunger. Yeah, <laughs> real exciting. Sure. Anyway, Zelda and Link uh, are talking about the Triforce of Wisdom, but see, Ganon has a Triforce of Power. You see, well, it's accurate since you don't know the lore. But like, I know, Link, the lore. Link has the courage one. Yes, I know, but they don't even mention that because, like, you know what's weird? The only thing I. I appreciate the Triforce, like, yeah, mentioning they mention everything. It. However, Zelda infers that there's only two pieces yes, when it's correct. called a fucking Triforce. Triforce. Like, what is she talking about? Even I know that. Yeah. And she tells Link that whoever gets both will rule the world forever. What? Like, that's not... No! <laughs> that's not how it works. And Link is a real ass in this cartoon. Yeah, he's such a fuck. Like, <laughs> the dumb voice. This is where the, excuse me, princess, yep. comes from. Like, oh, this cartoon that was probably on only a couple times ever. Yes. There's not that many episodes. Yeah. There was only one a week. And it's, it was only on for three months. I guess, you know what? Maybe they were thinking of doing a Metroid one, but this Zelda one failed so fucking badly that they just didn't even get to make a Metroid one. Probably. So we see more clips here. Ganon's doing some electricity things before teleporting away, and then he later gets thrown into a bottomless pit. Wait, so Ganon lost to the other <laughs> bad guys? Yes, like, they're, they're like, get the fuck out of here, Ganon. Yeah. We're, we're gonna be the bad guys <laughs> yeah, in this show. And Ganon's like, no! And he's like in a bubble, and he like they put him like in the dungeon or something. Horrible. That was weird. Ganon's like... The, he's like the biggest bag like yes. they, he's like way overpowered in the games yes. like to the point they're like more yeah, than Bowser like, he's like really a bad dude and yeah. like these guys are like oh you go on a bubble mag get the fuck <laughs> out of here yeah uh, back to Piper now bitching about how he has to play the Scottish National Anthem tonight in Madison Square Garden before a fight and a he's fight. late fight fight I bet he's fighting rude Maybe. MSG oh sure yeah. big feud beat up Bobby <laughs> beat up Bobby a little bit hurry up with them bagpipes <laughs> I gotta play the Scots National Anthem Madison Square Garden tonight for a fight and I'm late already 
Uh, Mario says, if Piper wears a skirt in the Madison Square Garden, he's going to start a fight. How many more skirt jokes? Enough. This is all they got. This there's, is so cheap. There's like six lines. <laughs> like, seriously. You could write, you could literally write this while taking a crap. I bet you the whole I'm script of this fits in like one of those, I'm, like when I read the songs things, like you could probably fit the whole script of this seriously. on like the same like GeoCities page. You can- <laughs> Like, you know, you can fit it on a note card on a on an index card because most of it's like, like you know, like when he's like when he's like his eyes or whatever. Horrible. Anyway, Mario's like, just kidding, Roddy Piper, just kidding. Anyway, Luigi says the bagpipes are finished, but they're still hooked up to the vacuum here. However, Luigi turns them on, and Piper just gets all happy as we fade away. This is so weird. It's like he has like electric bagpipes now, yeah. I guess, by accident. Yeah, because the vacuum's blowing the air they into make them. That weird, like electric, like when it's turning on bagpipe yes. noise. Yes. I don't know. And it's shitty. Then we do the uh, you get the ending. You know, do the Mario swing yep. your arms. That whole thing. Yep. Captain Lewis in front of a green screen explaining the song. Yeah. I guess like how to do the dance. Yeah, I used to love this part the most. Actually, as a it kid, it was jolly. like the most jolly. Like I would actually like. I don't know about you. you. Mario didn't. I would like do it with him because he's like telling you how to do it. So I'd be like, get up and like, of course you got to do because I love fucking Mario. If Mario's doing it, I got to do it it too. Yeah. Do the Mario swing your arms from side to side. Come on, it's time to go. Do the Mario. But I have a gripe with this one too. In the end, we talk about their shirt colors Mm -hmm. and the do the Mario thing. He's got a white shirt. So So let me explain this to you, Joe. Oh, you're going to? Okay, good. Yeah, I think this is because he's got the fire flower. Why does he only have it at the end? Well, you know, it takes a while to get it in the game. You don't get it right away, right? So at the end, it makes sense that he'd be all powered up. They didn't even get it on this. See, one of the things about the shorts, the cartoons, folks, is that uh, sometimes they get the fire flower. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, though, the star man gives them firepower. It's very oh, weird. Really? Yes, I yeah, don't know why no that's consistency. a thing. This is not a good cartoon, and yeah. I gotta say, I loved this as a kid, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure you're supposed to love it as an adult, but like looking back, you can see it's campy, it's doofy. It's cheap. I'm sure they knew all this, and they were just trying to make money, but it is so poorly produced and like quickly done. You could just tell it's just cheap. The whole Piper thing was like, not even maybe ten, maybe eight minutes yeah. of footage. It, it's terrible. What, like, what's I, your final thoughts I don't on know, this? Fun but mediocre romp down yeah. like a childhood favorite. Yeah, I guess it's not good. It's amazing. This entertained me so much as a yeah, kid. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's shitty, but it has Nintendo people in it, which is all I wanted. Right. As a kid. Like literally, like I kid you not. Outside of the video games, there wasn't a lot of Nintendo stuff. No. So I was like begging for this. Like I was like, I want Nintendo cartoons. I, I like if if it was me, I want a whole channel devoted to sure. Nintendo. Yeah. Like I love Nintendo like a lot. So did I. So yeah. any extra shit, like I got the fucking Nintendo macaroni and cheese, and I don't even like macaroni and cheese because it had <laughs> Nintendo on it. Like you know, right? I would just make the noodles with no cheese. What like, a waste. I, I don't oh like God. those. I don't like that powder Sorry. shit. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Um, the powder cheese, especially. It's, it's the best. Uh, uh, what did you think of the Piper appearance? The Piper appearance was straight up crap. <laughs> it was like totally pointless. It's true. By the way, it's like Lou got him like a payday. Yeah. And he did nothing but like be mad and clean his face the whole it's fucking true. time. I was so disappointed because he has like three lines in the entire thing and yeah. the rest he's just making faces this literally was like I wouldn't even be surprised if he had an MSG show for real that <laughs> night and it was just it was on the tip of his tongue and they just ad-libbed all this yeah what did this take to film like 20 minutes honestly yeah. how many retakes could there they have been they probably were filming all the other segments yeah honestly you know, they're like oh uh, Piper's in it like he like showed up hey hey how you doing you know like uh, <laughs> hello how nice to see you nice to see you yeah. uh, one thing that this video that we watched on didn't have was the ending uh, Deke logo which what? 
what was that? It's no a classic. Geeky. Yeah, it's a total classic. The kid in the bedroom with well, the dog and all might, that. You might as well with that creepy bedroom. The fair, uh, and the oh, creepy dog. We address that in yeah. the Turtles review, I believe. I believe so. Next week. So we should probably just play it, right? Yeah. Okay. Let's let's hear it. Dick. There you go. That's it. Yeah. That's the one. So, anyway, uh, that was Super Mario Brothers Super Show. It's on YouTube if you want to watch it. It's really, really not good. It's not. <laughs> I wish it was worth your time. Sorry. And the other thing, we I, we need to note this if you are watching it. There's like two minutes or something cut off at the end, which is like, it's not even really anything. It's just them saying goodbye. Yeah, so but we like, had to flip to an alternate version for the, the ending. The fact that there's two versions of this on YouTube is hilarious. It is. It's funny. But yeah, that's Super Mario Brothers Super Show, and that has been episode number 170. I just want to remind you of a few things before we get out of here. First of all, thank you. Second of all, if you uh, haven't followed us yet on Twitter, go do that at OVP Podcast. Email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. You can also join the group, if, especially if you want to vote in next season's Royal Rankings, because yes. you have a few days left for that. You gotta get on there soon. Yep. SummerSlam 89 is out now on Patreon, along with all of our other content. $5 a month will get you all of it. If you've been thinking about it or if you have a few bucks to spare, I encourage you to just give it a shot. You know, you can cancel any time if you want to. There's no yeah. contract or commitment. Just do a month, and if you decide it's not worth it, cancel it. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, there you go. We're not, again, we're not trying to, to steal your money or rip you off. We're just uh, trying to put some really good extra content out there for you. Just for funds. Just for funds. Uh, if you want to get a t-shirt, by the way, teespring.com slash OVP podcast. That's T-E-E spring.com slash OVP podcast. We have a special promo code for all patrons now. Yeah. Get $7 off of our shirts. Yeah, if you're a patron, check that out because... Uh, it's an obscene hot. discount. It is a lot of money off that, actually. Because <laughs> we're not trying to make a big profit on the shirts. We're trying to get them to more people. Yeah, we want to get those shirts out there. So get your shirt for much cheaper. Yep, if you want one, you can do that. TEEspring.com slash OVP podcast. Uh, and finally, if you have iTunes, Apple Podcasts, you want to leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. But as always, thank you, fans. Thank you, Michael, for a great season. It's been been really fun. Been a good one. We've had fun doing it. Like we said, next week, folks, it will not be wrestling related, but if you like Joe and Quinn and you like OVP, you're going to enjoy the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie review. That's going to be a fun time. So that'll be next week. And after that, we will be back for a new season, new uh, segment, new rankings, new flush, all that good stuff. Thank you guys so much for being with us here for episode number 170. And we will see you next week for the turtles. See ya. I forgot it was. <laughs> uh, I'll fade it early. It's okay. Okay. So- <laughs> here in the flush. How about I unmute it? That usually helps. There's always one blooper a season where I forget to unmute something. It's true. And I'm proud to carry that tradition on. He died from diabetes. Hey, sex at home was actually a, a big star in the 70s. We don't get to see him much, but... He- <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, he was, though. <laughs> you can't, I can't, can't do it. All right, hang on. But yeah, in case... To- <laughs> K-Stax. This is, this is the fucking, like, very, very nice. nice all over again, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. You just you had to say it in the fucking what's-his-head voice, didn't you? Wilford Brimley. <laughs> you had to, just so that you would get me on that. Yes, that's exactly why I did it. All right. Anyway, he died from diabetes, and that'll be all for this week. Don't say, don't say it again. I'm just leading you into it. Okay. But he was a big star in the 70s. I mean, he was a big deal. <laughs> the hell are you laughing at? I can't get over it. You had to do the fucking voice, didn't, didn't you? Yeah, I gotta get it off my screen. Take it on the free verb. The free verbs. I have said free verbs in the past on the f***ing bloopers.
free verbs, free birds. Free well, verbs. Patrick, <laughs> verbs. By the, <laughs> I need to cut it in. Yeah, three, two, one. By the free verbs. Well, <laughs> that was amazing. Can't say this word. It's my kryptonite. Free birds. I do it all the time. Can you turn my mic off for a second? You know, like oh, uh oh, yeah. Getting the napkin out. Oh, Quinn's blowing his beak here. Whoa! <laughs> Quality entertainment here on Raw Dump. Glad we can provide this. You ready over there, Skippy? This is worth your $2 right here. See Quinn blowing his nose in the McDonald's napkins. And he's doing a wipe. Doing a crumple. Don't leave those up here, brother. The sun will come up here and touch him. <laughs> Quinn Booker's on him. All right. Three, two, one. Time to skin him more. <laughs> I just thought, like, touching. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Fest over there today, Quinn. All it's right, right. euphoria. Yeah, I guess so. All right. Tag just getting more arm shit. <laughs> I didn't even have my notes up. <laughs> Say it one more time. <laughs> oh, look at this. Hold on. I don't know why the timing when you like flush <laughs> just like got me. Like it's like very rare, but like. <laughs> Let me, I'll just lead it back into that. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uselessness is a big one, right? Look. <laughs> 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 oh my god okay all right let me, let me do that again uselessness is a big criteria for a bad manager <laughs> we've lost them folks <laughs> thanks for joining us this week <laughs> what a great week. show okay. <laughs> into the action of facebook right right <laughs> you type into the <laughs> can i start that was really good can i start that again there's a search part <laughs> And you haven't caught on to what the royal wankings and the what the royal wankings. The royal wankings. <laughs> there you go. That's the Patreon right there. <laughs> Patreon.com. It's, it's good. 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 good.